This is Dan DeSantos, the 2023 Marvel Masterpiece Artist, and you're listening to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast. Hello, everybody. My name is Ian Taylor, and you are listening to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast, your weekly digest of hobby goodness. It's been a long time coming, but finally I get to interview someone with the same hairline as me. <laughs> and no, I don't mean Donnie Courtrider, who returns again. <laughs> who returns again this week to co-host this jalopy? Um, I had to look up how to spell that word. It's a very American word. Jalopy is it? Jalopy. With a it J, is. right? Yeah, 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 it's a J. But it's the bit afterwards. You don't know where it's going to go. Is it J E double L or J A L? It's J A L for those who are wondering. Anyway, um, I, I'm pretty <laughs> thrilled to be able to welcome this week's guest. Someone who may well need no introduction by now to our listeners, but he's getting one anyway, so strap yourselves in. Well known for his beautiful fantasy and sci-fi themed paintings, his work spans a variety of genres, including novels, comics and film. I lifted that from somewhere, by the way. I didn't make that up. Um, According to Wikipedia, so this is where he's going to correct me if he's wrong, if he's wrong. (laughs) He's been nominated for seven Hugo Awards. Sounds maybe about right. Sounds maybe about right. Good, good, good. You, you can go in and edit it if you need to. Uh, and has won a, uh, a, a Chesley, is it a Chesley Award? Chesley, yep. Chesley, there we go. That's spelled incorrectly on, on Wikipedia. And a Jack Gorn Award for Best Emerging Artist in 2007. He's worked on Magic the Gathering, as Donnie knows, and is founder of the Muddy Colours website, which I love, by the way, since I discovered that. A, a collective of more than 20 artists dedicated to providing a free online resource for aspiring and professional artists alike. His work has appeared on hundreds of book covers, and I, for one, will remember the date of 21st of June 2023 as the date that will live in infamy, as it's the day I discovered the work of artist Dan Dos Santos. Dan, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Ian. Hi, Dan. Good to see you both. Hi, Dan. (laughs) Everyone, Everyone gets one of those, and sometimes they get ridiculously long sometimes they get very creative sometimes they're really short mm. so you know anyway um as a dan you how many of these have you done now on your press uh, junket oh not too many this might be number four i think i did one with upper deck with billy uh and then just spidey hits and then i popped in on one with uh with uh, a group of guys uh, oh marvel round table yes thank yes you. Yes, okay. Pretty early in the queue. <laughs> did they know you were going to pop in, or did you just appear and go, surprise? No, I just knew. I hang out. I've been hanging out in these groups for years, you know? <laughs> 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 just, just totally snoop and, like, and make weird comments, and that's it. And so I saw they were they were having the round table, and some questions <laughs> came up, and I just ended up popping that's in. That's hilarious. Mm. Mm. Excuse me, sorry. I'm about to cough. Let me just mute one sec. Oh, dear. I need more whiskey. Um, <laughs> so, Dan, um, where do I start? So what I wanted to do was, obviously, you've probably been asked quite a lot of questions by now um, about stuff. So I just wanted to have a little bit of a kind of origin story-esque first bit of this interview. Sure. Um, can you tell me your earliest memory of seeing Marvel or fantasy sci-fi art? Uh, 
I mean, I guess it depends on what you call fantasy, but I'd say probably my my love of fantasy art began with 80s cartoons. Uh, He-Man, Thundercats, Voltron, Transformers, <laughs> all of those things were pivotal to me and kind of launched, I think I was just about five or six years old. Uh, most of those cartoons, I think people don't realize this, that a lot of those 80s cartoons, uh, I, I actually want to list them because there's so many, but the ones I just mentioned, um, Thundercats, he-Man, Masters of the Universe, Transformers, GoBots, Dungeons and Dragons, so many others all launched within 18 months of one another in like mm. 1983 between 1983 and 84. So it just like changed TV for me. It changed everything. It changed my toys, changed my like everything. And, and that's when I started just drawing like dragons and robots and people fighting. Oh, wow. <laughs> wow. <laughs> probably my earliest start. And from there, I... I already had this passion for drawing those things like that I was already seeing on TV. And then I discovered comics probably like really got into them when I was probably like 12 years old or so. And that's right when like Rob Liefeld, New Mutants was hitting and like you kind of got this surge happening that really I think changed the face of comics. So you're properly a 90s kid then if you were coming up around that sort of time then I guess. I guess I was born in the 70s, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, okay, yeah, so it was, I think I've got a few years on you, though. Um, but uh, but no, I remember, in on the cartoons front, did you guys get, um, there was some, I think there were more kind of Japanese, uh, from Battle of the Planets, I remember, mm-hmm. uh, yeah. and Ulysses 31. Did not get that, or oh. Silverhawks, where I lived. Uh, I had New York, Boston TV, and, and also... Mm but there were a lot i missed out on there was so many there were so many and they all had um comic spin-offs as well yeah pretty much as well um so did you do you remember your uh what kind of so you you mentioned rob lifefield and new mutants was that the thing you went in on was it x-men yeah like x-men was big for me um I think a lot, it was mostly artists I followed more than anything else the x-men always appealed to me just because they're characters I don't know why um maybe just more creative more colorful and stuff uh but as i started getting into the art it was really rob liefeld jim lee and todd mcfarlane so like the only reason i read spider-man was because todd mcfarlane (laughs) and Mm. and i just kind of followed those artists um and anything they did and that was kind of my like epitome of like this is how good art can get and i i was aspiring to be as realistic as those guys um, cause it looked more realistic than the cartoons I had been watching. And it wasn't until like the just go 92 set dropped that then I was like, Oh, this is the next step. <laughs> this is, this is like that, but even more realistic. This is what I want to do. Wow. Wow. So do you, did you, uh, so you obviously, I'm guessing you were collecting comics at the time yeah, I, as much as very, you could afford. I, I don't guess. know if you'd call it a, like collecting but it's what I spent my money I was was, was not wealthy as a child my allowance was enough that I could buy maybe one comic every two weeks or something so I was pretty selective about what I was buying uh and yeah and they were like they were my bible for the week that I would buy you know x-men number one and I redrew that thing from cover to cover like and I did not take very good care of my comics for what it's worth because they were utilitarian they're like lying around I'm drawing and copying and like so yeah yeah i bet i bet so did you um were you um obviously the the just go set coming out in 92 were you uh, did you then 
that minimal allowance, did that then go on to the cards? <laughs> did you leave the comics behind or did you try and afford both? And in retrospect, I had bought very few, I think. I just had really generous friends that were giving me all their doubles and stuff like that. And that's really kind of what kept me sated. Mm. Uh, I still think that's a really nice thing that, that this community does that you were mentioning that this is about collecting. Like it's not yeah. just, um, you know, the hunt for something is part of the fun and, and all of this and the sharing with other people and trading and swapping. That's, that's like the real joy of this, I think. Yeah. And so, yeah, I had some great friends that would give me cards and I would give them whatever else I could or draw pictures in, in lieu of that and, and give them drawings in exchange for cards. So. Oh, that's wow, awesome. That's cool. the, the earliest art trades. That's good <laughs> <Yeah>. stuff. <laughs> I, I'm wondering if any of those um, any of those uh, youngsters that you were, uh, I don't know if you're still in touch with any of them, still have an early I Dan DeSantis. Do do I don't know. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It was a long time ago. <laughs> yeah. Well, they might be thinking, oh, that's worth yeah. money. You know, someone always says, oh, you keep that. That'll be worth money one day. And they're probably like. That'll be worth money. Unless you're Joe. Joe's high school drawings are like up for auction and they look fantastic. I was uh, not very good at this. Oh, <laughs> but that's the thing. Uh, with, with Joe, I mean, he, he he told us this. I mean, some of the stuff he was doing at 15, 16, 17 was yeah. just like. Well, that's wow. the benefit of going to an art. It's an art high school he went to. I mean, he was focused on that from the time he was, you know. 15 years ago. Wow. Wow. Well, that's the, I remember when we, we spoke to Greg Hildebrandt, he, he showed us a piece that he did when he was 12 and it was just like, what? You're yeah. 12. So, you know, I guess, you know, it's, 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 it's in it's the blood. Of, when you look back at old illustrators and I'm talking golden age illustrators, Decker and Rockwell, all those guys were pros by the time they were 16. I think it's just mm. this mentality. Like you had to, by the time you graduated high school, it was like time to get married and get a job. So it's like there was no messing around, I think, for a lot of that yeah. older artists. Yeah, yeah. I need to be able to earn some money, sell some pieces. Um, so when you um I imagine you did when you went through kind of your your school, your high school, were you kind of focused on art then? And then it led to kind of higher education going to art school and, and yeah. Um I had always thought I would be an artist and I thought maybe I was serious about it when I was a kid, but it's not until like, until you really get serious about it that you're like, Oh yeah, I wasn't that serious <laughs> about it. Like that. It was still <laughs> always my singular focus. I just didn't work as hard as on it as I do now. Uh, and then in high school, I was really fortunate. I landed an internship with an artist named Stephen Stroud in my hometown, who was just a consummate illustrator. I didn't know his work, uh, even though he was like, he was very, he did all the first edition Stephen King novel covers and stuff. So like oh. just like a professional. And he was the president of the Society of Illustrators, which is an organization in New York at the time. And I just, dumb luck, happened to live close to him. Uh, and I wasn't very well read as a kid, so I didn't know his work from book covers. But I showed him the stuff I liked to draw, which was mostly comic book stuff. And he was like, what you want to do is called illustration, fantasy illustration. <laughs> and, and so I started researching Michael Whalen and all those guys and really discovering what I wanted. And, and he kind of set me on this path. He was like, you need to go to school. You want to learn to oil paint. You want to do this and this and this. And he just became like, I, it was supposed to be a one day a week thing in his studio. And I just, I never left for like two decades. <laughs> so, oh my, wow. <laughs> He just adopted me basically. And so he coerced, he didn't coerce, he convinced me I should go to school. So I applied to the School of Visual Arts in Manhattan and went there for four years. And, and you know, I had kind of been the best artist in my high school. 
And so I only really like strived as hard as I needed to be to be that best. And then you go to an art college and you realize, oh, everybody's the best in their high school. And I need to really step it up if I'm going to do it. And uh, it kind of just like kicked me in my pants a little and got me really like, it it was, it's still been my singular focus since then. Amazing class, by the way, when I was at SBA. So it was, the competition was so stiff, like it was great. Yeah. Wow. I, I, I just, I love the idea that, you know, you just have to just, just keeping up improves you. I always find that interesting when actors are talking about being in a scene with another actor and it's just like, it's all I could do was to keep up with the guy, you know, and just learning from just doing that free five minute scene. I love that. And I'm not a lazy person, by the way. Like when I say I didn't work hard enough, it was probably a more healthy work-life balance that I was achieving. But (laughs) I'd rather be the worst guy in a group of great people and aspire to that than be the best guy in a group of, you know, people. Mm -hmm. And and so really like I feed on that when I see people succeeding and growing and I can watch them grow from week to week, that really that, that excites me. That's that's interesting. That's interesting. Would you? I I'm I found this interesting when I was when I was doing some uh, research about you earlier on. Um, you you describe yourself as an illustrator as opposed to an artist. So for, for, I I probably know the answer to this, but where where do you see the difference in the two? Oh, I mean, it's all semantics, honestly. But yeah. I I have I have some things in my head that I think kind of shift where those gray areas lie to me like art serves multiple things there's form and function right so like even a a table can be a piece of art I think if the function outweighs the form you're probably talking craft like woodworking and stuff like that still artistic but it's not art so much as craft when the form outweighs the function I'd consider it art and I think illustrators specifically it commercially and I'm doing it for other people I think and I'm telling stories that makes me an illustrator whereas an artist might be somebody who just paints for a gallery and is painting just for them Mm. Uh, I really very rarely paint for myself gotcha gotcha no I I I just found it fascinating I I mean it it makes sense to me um I think blue collar artists is an illustrator (laughs) yeah yeah no that makes that makes sense um so before I just kind of just curious to know how you came to the point where you're where you're kind of between getting the call from Upper Deck and leaving that school in Manhattan. Did you do any professional Marvel work in that in that period? uh, Uh, I've never worked for Marvel. I've worked for nearly every other comic company there is, which is funny because I've always been a Marvel kid growing up, but they never reached out to me. And I just kind of like I know their budget isn't publishing is very good to me. Publishing treats their artists much better than comics do, mm. to be honest. Um, and a lot of that is just grandfathered in from like the heyday of, of having people like Decker and stuff. So when you do publishing, you're getting paid five times the rate for a cover. You get to retain the rights to your images. So for 20 years, uh, I know my name's probably new to a lot of people collecting Marvel cards, but in book cover illustration stuff, um, I'm fairly well known. I, I I must have at least two dozen number one New York Times bestsellers to my credit now. Mm. But that doesn't get the same notoriety. People don't buy books for the book cover art on it the same way card collectors and comic guys buy comics for the artists. So it's 
easier to stay under the radar when you're doing commercial work like that. Yeah, I guess uh, so. Yeah. And book covers kind of spread out. I've always pursued comics a little bit because it's been a passion of mine. So I've done a lot of stuff for Dark Horse, a lot of stuff for DC Vertigo. Uh, and it just kind of like, I always wanted to pursue Marvel and I kind of specifically really wanted this job in particular. And somehow it just fell in my lap one day <laughs> without, without wow. much. Wow, okay. So All right. <laughs> so, so Donnie will, will know about this. Donnie, so what, when did you first kind of hear of Dan from your, because you're Magic the Gathering for and through. Mm-hmm. If, you, if, I, if I cut you in half, you'll bleed Magic right. the Gathering. Not that I <laughs> want to cut you in half, but you know what I mean. So I, I knew Dan's work from when I was, I guess, probably in like high school, early college from like uh, Alara, Shore, Lorwyn, Shadowmore, like some of your earlier Magic oh, stuff. Yeah. And then you kind of just like didn't do any more wizard stuff for a while. And then right at the beginning of the pandemic, there was a huge set that came out and that's when you had sort of fire and ice and then Stoneforge mystic, which is still one of my favorite magic illustrations ever, but, but Dan was back and then he disappeared again. So it was like (laughs) a big early body of work. And then a couple pieces that were in like, I, when was that? I think that was like late 2020. They came out. They probably painted them maybe a year before and yeah. then then that was it and then there was there was no more so it was like this big re-entrance and then nothing and now we know why obviously but now it was uh the nothing yep. yeah yeah and the lack of magic cards wasn't for lack of interest or passion i love magic that was the other thing i collected and i used to play magic as far back as like beta set um and magic was a client i actually specifically pursued because i wanted to do their cards the trouble was just scheduling that magic sure. works on like kind of these two month blocks. They'll tell you like, here's your concept. And then we need sketches and finish at these dates and publishing works in more like seasonal blocks. So I was getting booked for book covers three months in advance and I would fill up my three months and then I'd get called from magic and be like, you have time this month. I feel like I don't. And that just went on and on. And, and yeah. so it wasn't until like those other cards I had, I had contact, I think that was Tom Jencott, the art director. And, uh, and he told me things were coming up. So I set aside time speculatively, not knowing what they were going to be six months in advance. So I could specifically do those jobs for him. That That's, that's great. Yeah. I think that was him. He was the, the early art director on the booster fund and the showcase treatments, like what would have been in, in double masters, but I know their, their wave, like the way they do the waves can be really, really good for some folks. And then it can be a nightmare for other folks, depending on what other, you know, commercial work you're, you're doing, whether it, it aligns or not. Yeah. Yeah. And we so much of it comes down to just logistics of scheduling and, and how fast I can paint. Like I can't do more than two or three magic cards in a wave. I just, I'm just not that fast. You'll see other guys like Greg Staples or something. And no problem, mm-hmm. you know? So. Wow. I, I have to say, most of the last three minutes just went over my head because I'm so <laughs> I know nothing. I literally I know nothing about the fact that it exists, and a lot of people are really into it, and it's got some really good artwork in it, and uh, everything else I rely on Donny to tell me, and I find myself just nodding at Donny while he's telling me and going. <laughs> it's it's been an interesting mix since since Dave did 2020 because you know when he did the set there was a big 
influx of people yeah. that came from magic both on the original art side and the collecting side because magic doesn't really have anything like masterpieces it was before serialized cards and really before showcase treatments and and things like that so it it was an avenue that i know myself and a lot of other people were looking for in something that most of us are interested in mm-hmm. already they kind of kind of go hand in hand so it's they do. Uh, it it was a nice it was a nice thing for me to have something to really like truly collect and chase and trade uh you know like the way we used to trade magic cards because magic's changed over the years in the way that people collect and play and uh marvel kind of scratched that itch for a lot of people uh you know those couple of years ago and i I think there is a lot of overlap the demographic i think it's a lot of the same people collecting both and it's, it's i think this is it with comics too i think a lot of the people that are buying comics now are the same people that were buying them in the 90s who've just grown up and it's like people who were playing magic in the 90s are just now old enough to be buying original art and they're swapping mm. originals the way they would have done cards i suspect yeah. it's <laughs> it, it, it <laughs> is yeah it's i mean i always said like when when i would you know when i collect magic originals and and now marvel originals it's it's a way that i can interact with those things without having necessarily like the time investment to go to a comic shop or a or a trading card shop you know every weeknight just because I have other commitments. So the artwork is that that gateway to let me interact with artists and people and, and do those kind of things just on a different scale. Yeah. It is um I, I what I found interesting because Donnie you masterpieces 2020, but kind of where we met because you mm-hmm. came into the group and then yep. uh, we started talking, even though we've never actually met because I'm three three and a half thousand miles away. But um it was very interesting when that happened because you did, you did, you know, when you've got a body of collectors here and a body of collectors here, and and the Marvel collectors are very much a certain way, certainly the older school ones, and I think the Magic ones are. So there was, I, I won't lie, there was a little bit of friction, but the guys who've stuck around in the Marvel space, uh, some of the most warmest, most respected, like relatively new, we're talking three years in now. Um, guys in the Marvel groups, uh, you know, Donnie, um, a couple of other guys whose names escape me, which is probably the best because I don't want to get it wrong. Um, so I do, I do find that fascinating that you do have different like cohorts of of, of people. Uh, always, always fascinates me when I talk to. There's a podcast you may not know this, uh, Dan. There's a podcast called the Rebel Base Card Podcast, and it is about Star Wars trading cards, and there, that's a whole different thing. I know it's I think the reason people get sucked in is like like you're saying like all of a sudden like Donnie is so ingrained in this community in a very short amount of time is because I think your fans before you know the stuff even exists that you're like oh there's a whole community collecting this Mm -hmm. and like you get sucked in and the community is very welcoming I'd have to say particularly the Marvel community I know comics can just be nasty, just fandom. I mean, because it's such a large fandom. Yeah. I've already seen posts in those communities that I very quickly would have been like, this dude. <laughs> and everybody's treating him with respect. I'm like, that's not how we do it here. It was like, yeah. oh, that's so nice. Yeah. <laughs> everybody wants to share it because I think everybody ultimately is a fan of this. And you yeah. want, like, that's part of the fanaticism is sharing this thing you love with somebody else. So, so I've really been impressed with how welcoming all of those communities are. Oh, that's are. cool. That's cool. I'm 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 really pleased with that because I think people were I mean you <laughs> you'll you'll know it must have been wonderful watching this from the sidelines and going <laughs> I can't say anything. Because you, I'm sure if you're if you're tuned into it and you had time 
above you know your your time at the easel um to look at it you'd have been like when's the next artist who is it who is it who can how can we find out um because with 2020 people did guess and the reason they guessed is because upper deck printed dave's signature on the back of the cardstock oh, sketch cards oh, I so i think there's a lesson learned um and i think dave himself said that's not my normal kind of style of signature so it would have have to have been someone who's really knows their magic stuff hmm. to, to kind of suss it out and of course people did yeah you know about six months before normally yeah. dave has this like graphic just palumbo and typically my signature is a very graphic thing for you can't do those graphic things that when you're signing 3000 cards. So we kind of yeah, this right. other, I think probably most people wouldn't have identified mine either if, if they would have to do some research if they saw that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I think it's interesting. Whereas is, I, I do find it fascinating how there are some signatures that are not, not to d dismiss yours, but are works of art in and of themselves. Joe just goes is one of them. Mm -hmm. Because there's this unmistakable seeing seeing those five letters written in the way Joe yeah. Joe writes it, and Simone Bianchi's is just other level. Yeah. yeah, there's lots of good ones level. out there. Simonson is like I think it's his. Yes. That's like an actual dragon, right? It's yeah, a yeah, yeah. Book, Like you don't notice. It took me years to figure out that's what he was going for. Um, <laughs> there's so many good ones out there. Mine, I like my signature, but it interferes with printing quite often. So I usually leave it off a lot of my art. So you'll see on a lot of these cards, my name is maybe hidden somewhere in the painting or just an initial or an Easter egg, but mm. the majority of them just don't have my my logo on them because I didn't want them getting cropped funny or messing up the painting. I'm and, with uh, I'm so with you. That now, makes sense. Now I have to sign all these paintings and I'm always like, oh, I don't want to mess up my painting with my name. <laughs> <laughs> sign on the back. Fine. Um, <laughs> so I, I want to know, um, and you might remember the day and the time, you know, like people remember where, where they were when Kennedy was shot. None of us are that old. But where were you? What was the, what was the scenario when you got the first contact from Upper Deck? How did that happen? Assuming they contacted you. I'm trying to think the exact time. I remember it was right before COVID hit. Or and what right was the weather like that day? Come on. <laughs> so I didn't get their message for a couple of days, for like a week almost, because they had emailed me through the contact form on my website, which is pretty much just, I mean, it's business. It's like, it's, it's not clientele. It's like mm. customers that need replacement orders and things. So I check it like once a week kind of thing and not every day. Um, when I'm getting ready to fulfill orders and they had emailed me on there and I just, I didn't notice it. And I kind of was like checking spam. I think it might've even been in my spam folder. And then I, I discovered, I was like, Ooh, it's a good thing. <laughs> I checked this. <laughs> and then I reached back out to them and I was like, you know, email me at this website, uh, this email address instead. Um, but yeah, it was just them reaching out and kind of fishing to see if I was available and interested in the project. Uh, and that was the first first thing and it would take at least four months before that actually turned into okay let's do this you know? right okay so in that four months did you at that point or did you find out from because uh, i know that when we spoke to we interviewed joe Jusco recently and he said that he he knew who it was at the time we yeah, interviewed him and this was this was last september we interviewed him um and he said he'd seen some of the pieces now obviously it took you a fair while to do them but in that four-month period 
did you kind of uh, do any research reach out to people who've done oh, yeah. it before just to uh, what what kind of feedback did you get particularly joe and dave and wanted to make sure artists it's a tight-knit community there's not too many professional illustrators honestly again there's different communities there's you know a couple hundred comic guys there's a couple hundred paperback guys the illustration community is kind of small the people who truly do this full time so we all know each other one way or another have friends in common through conventions and stuff and Dave I've been tight with since I, I said this on another podcast since I thought he was 16 he wasn't 16 but he was, I think, maybe a teenager, like 19 or something, like fresh out of high school. Wow. I met him at a convention or something. Um, so we've been tight for a long time, and Joe and I are friendly. So I called those two guys up because I knew they had experience with Upper Deck. They had experience doing the set and just asked them, you know, like, very frankly, like, what was your budget? What was your deadline like? Do you regret doing this? What's it like working with Upper Deck? Any advice on how I should approach this if I do it? What should, there's a lot of negotiation that goes into that contract. Um, just making sure I get a price that means I can feed myself for, for the two years it takes to do this. Uh, so I, I basically just pestered them with all, all of that and they just gave me a ton of advice. And, and Dave was the one that was pretty much, he was like, just, just do this. He was like, you know, you want to do this. <laughs> he was like, Don't <laughs> it's a dream job for you. And, uh, and he had said he, he was like, I feel like I've been training my whole life for this job between his personal interests and, and getting faster at painting. And I thought that's, that's true. Like if I asked what 13 year old Dan wanted to do before he died, it would be this card set. And I was like, that's at that point, it was just a matter of getting the terms to be more yeah. favorable to me and, and then getting them to agree to that. So. Wow. Okay. Cause I know that, um, so on uh, Muddy Colours, now on Muddy Colours, you're listed as the founder. So was that something that you yourself set up? Yeah. So I won't say I, I'm not doing the heavy lifting. I'm just the person <laughs> who roped all these other artists into doing this thing. And I just basically heard cats every day. It's okay, like, like artists are horrible about scheduling. Uh, but yeah, it was that that website is quite old. I was thinking about it today. Um I mean, it goes back to like MySpace days. We started that blog before Facebook was a thing, before Instagram was a thing, before there were all these other, now there's so many venues for artists to learn and glean information from and Patreon and all these things to get art information from, but that wasn't the case back then. It was just MySpace and people's personal blogs. And nobody can maintain a blog on a daily basis unless you're James Gurney, <laughs> like who's a robot, <laughs> somehow does this. So I roped 10 guys into doing it together. Um, I say guys, they were literally guys. I tried to get women as well, and I, there just weren't any available. Um, and we thought, well, if we all did this one day, you know, a week, we can maintain this, this thing. And, and we've been doing it every single day for like 11 years now. So. Wow. Wow. And every day it's a free, like, here's how I make my art. Here's how I shoot reference. Here's how I do my taxes or something educational for an aspiring artist every day. And that's what I love because you're giving back. And I'm, I'm just thinking about the fact that where you were in your career and, you know, you you were up and running as a professional uh, illustrator by that, by that point, but you already like, okay, giving back and paying it forward, if you like. Yeah, that's, I think it's a large tenant in the fantasy or not to sound like an old curmudgeon was, <laughs> it was much more 
that mentality when I started off. I owe my career to the generosity of a few really nice people. Yeah. Um, my mentor that I mentioned, uh, John Foster, who's somebody that does comics and Magic the Gathering, so you might know. Mm -hmm. uh, I met him and he just like welcomed me into his studio, looked at my work, and he was like, I'm writing down a list of art directors that you should call and send your work to. And I thought, why would you give me your client list? Like, doesn't that take away from your job? And I asked him that. He was like, no, he's like, if they want to hire me, they'll hire me. If they want to hire you, they'll hire you. We don't, we're not twins. We're not identical. There's enough jobs to go around. And the, it blew me away so much that he would give me the literal phone numbers of people to call that uh, he was like, just do the same for somebody else. And so I took that to heart and I've tried to pay it forward the same way with everybody else. Um, and a couple other people that really like, really did that. So I think like my first job was a job somebody else couldn't take. And so whenever I get a job that I'm not available for, like somebody like Dave, I'll be like, Dave Plumbo's the perfect guy, call this dude. And I think the illustration community just has a real track record of, of trying to, you know, raise all boats. So. That's really cool. That's really cool. Because is that, the reason I'm, I mentioned Muddy Colors is I remember, I think one of the first pieces I saw about Dave Palumbo's work was a piece on Muddy Colors, looking at the Wolverine piece that he did, um, which blew my mind because I was like, okay, here's a website and it's it's got different stage pictures of it. And it's like, wow. And then a few weeks back, I went back to it because I think you'd referenced an article, I say an article, a blog piece that you did on there. Like This was before you would have gotten this job looking at the Hildebrand set, the Masterpieces okay. 94 set. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, okay, so this guy was clearly really into his Marvel cards. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and then yeah. he gets this call from Upper Deck. Yep, so it's yep. like, you it was know. very serendipitous. The stars and fair, I've always been a fan of the artists, like I said. So I've always collected the artists more than the cards. Um, I... I don't chase any like serial number. I don't chase a specific like gem or anything like that. Mm. I just like the artists. Uh, and the Hildebrands were always like, the reason I own that set is because this is the Hildebrands. And there's some great paintings in there. And things are different now. I think there's a whole generation of young artists. And I mentioned the community has changed a lot because I think it used to be if you were a fantasy artist, you were an illustrator. You were doing commercial work because you were doing fantasy art was fantasy book covers it was match of the gathering but now with things like kickstarter and patreon you can be an independent fantasy artist and i think most fantasy artists today are not actually illustrators anymore they're not doing commercial work necessarily they're just self-generating their own properties and selling their own books and have a following so it's this slightly different crowd and i think a lot of them just hadn't weren't exposed to the work you know just 20 years before them so so that post was like, it was there to hopefully introduce people to this like awesome art, like hundreds of pieces of awesome art that hopefully people didn't know at the time mm -hmm. or just didn't get enough recognition. And, and, and for, for, for people listening too, if you haven't checked out Muddy Colors, I've, I usually go there about once a week. Um, it, I've never read an article and not learned something. So even oh. from when I got into, you know, the magic art and was a baby art writer six years ago, like I've referenced hundreds of those articles because it's an insight that you can only get from the artist writing it. Like that information exists nowhere else. Usually it's written for that 
in that time. And it's just, it's a phenomenal resource. It really is. So definitely after you're done listening to this, go, go check it out. Cause it's, it, you'd be well worth your time. And to clarify for anybody, there's, you might come up with two things. There's a Muddy Colors Patreon, which is, it's an optional thing that a lot of people subscribe for to help support the blog, but look for the blog. That is totally free. That's the one that every day there's a post on. The Patreon is more for people wanting access to high quality instructional videos. And then we use that to, to basically pay all the artists that do the blog on a daily basis. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Now I will, um, I will put a link to the blog in the show notes, both on the, so what we do, uh, Dan, uh, you probably don't know this, um, the audio version, there's always a post that goes on our Facebook page. I call it the tasting notes. Um, mm -hmm. cause I like to eat. Um, and, uh, <laughs> it has, cause th that's the thing. Great idea. Four years ago, let's start an audio podcast about a visual thing. Yeah, yeah that's great. <laughs> um, which is fine. Yeah, we're not the only people to have done that. For a rock in your hit podcast, but um, um, it does mean that for for years it was quite a chore each week to put all the images in order that you mention them on the podcast oh. onto this post that goes on the Facebook page. Oh, it's a lot uh, of work. <laughs> it is a lot of work, and I still do. I still do it. But the YouTube version is kind of up there because it, it actually takes it actually takes less time to, to put this onto YouTube than it does to do the show notes sometimes. But anyway, <laughs> um, but last week was an exception because as we record last week or Thursday just gone, um, there was a preview episode of your set, which oh, you may awesome. or may not have had had time to enjoy. But at any point you wish or, to, yeah, it just went up a few days ago. Go and done. hear what we said about you there. I promise <laughs> it's all good. Um, so I. I wanted to talk, um, uh, this came about very, very quickly over the past week since I knew that we were going to be talking to you. I thought, okay, I can come up with a whole list of questions um, that will be really good to ask. And I know that you've had quite a lot of um, live interaction. Well, quite a lot, I say two, but you would have had quite a lot of questions come through that from collectors. So I thought, I'm going to reach out by virtue of the fact that we've been doing this a little while and they, 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 they at least will answer my calls i'm going to reach out to all of the marvel masterpieces artists that we've connected with and ask them do you have a question for oh, just oh, as something cool. a little bit different <laughs> um, oh, i'm almost afraid for them now <laughs> <laughs> well don't be when you hear the first one because uh, i'm going to do the first one which is brilliant um i've sent them to donnie as well so we're going to kind of tag team them um so i like to call this particular game and it's not a game we'll play often maybe not even ever again uh master to master oh very mm, clever. I like it. <laughs> so uh, i'm going to start with greg hildebrand oh so, man so i messaged gene Bless her. I messaged Jean and like the response came back. Sorry, Greg can't really think of a question. <laughs> Dan who? <laughs> Dan who? No, no, no. I think I think they were they were they were very much enjoying their um their, their long Fourth of July weekend. So um so I'll, I'll I'll let them off the hook for that. Um, but the next one, Donna, you've got the list, and I think it should I, be in the same order. So do you I want to do, tackle yep. this one? Yep. So this, Dan, this comes from Dave Plumbo, who did Masterpieces 2020, for anybody listening that might not know. And he asks, what was your process for conceptualizing the story in each piece, and which pieces proved unexpectedly challenging? So one of Dave's advice to me, I was asking, because we have a very similar work process, or used to. Um, and we're very into taking photo reference, hiring models. Dave is just incredible at photography. So I knew he was a great person to ask, like, 
did you bunch up all your photo reference? Did you do this? Like, did you work in groups and stuff? And he had suggested that he does. I know Dave tackled it and I think groups of five, like he would shoot reference for five things, draw five things. I started by trying to follow his method, um, taking his advice and I thought it would work well for me. And it just didn't, I couldn't, I couldn't split by the time I concepted something and then waited four or five paintings. By the time I got to that fifth one, I just didn't like the idea anymore. I had grown tired of it just out of, you know, sitting on it for a week. Uh, it also seemed too daunting for me to tackle the project as a whole. And I really, the only way I could manage it mentally was to think of just one thing at a time, just this one sketch, just this one painting, just this one scan, done, next. And I just did that on repeat and it wasn't efficient, but it was, it was the only way I could handle it mentally. Um, and ones that proved difficult, there were a couple, you know, you only get like one shot at a lot of these characters, you know? So like Captain America was a tough one for me because I knew I was only going to get really one true Captain America card. And it's like, nothing felt good enough. Like, it was like, I like this painting. This is a good painting. This is a good composition, but it didn't seem like this isn't everything I want Captain America to be. Um, so I think I kind of like, I would draw that one a little bit for a day and then put it aside and then draw it again and then put it aside. And I kept coming back to it. Uh, another one that was weirdly hard was Taskmaster for no, <laughs> no good reason, except that I just, every piece I was doing was coming out feeling like just a pinup. It's like, okay, this piece is about a cool cape and a skull. And I, it wasn't about his ability. And I really, really was trying to force myself to like capture something in every piece that was about the essence of the character. And that one just felt very superfluous and or superficial. Um, and not that he's like that important of a character, but I feel like, I think I have more thumbnails of, of Taskmaster than anybody else for some reason. <laughs> so I finally stumbled across an idea that was like, ah, that tells his story. You could look at that and you could tell what Taskmaster does, so. Wow. Do you um on on the to, to the Taskmaster that we've seen? I, I can't remember if there's more than one. Is the one with Black Widow? That's a battle card. So that's the battle so card. Yeah. So we haven't seen the uh, the Taskmaster solo yet. So we'll, we'll, we've obviously got that to look forward to. I I, I listen. I've got a question. I'm going to drop in now. So, sorry to break up the masters because I'm certainly not one. Of the pieces yet to come. Mm -hmm. which is the one you think is going to blow people's minds the most or, or you're most excited to see the reaction to? And it might not be one of the big ones, you know. There's a couple. Um, it's been spoiled on camera a little bit, that kitty, when you see a good scan of it, it's one of my favorites. The other Storm card I, oh. I'm stoked to share. The one you guys have seen is the Canvas Gallery Storm, mm -hmm. so it's a portrait. Um, so, again, I was mentioning I try to, encapsulate the essence of the character on their card the canvas galleries were exceptions those were meant to be portraits like a portrait of captain america a portrait of aurora uh her her base card i think is maybe one of my favorites of the set and i think it's gonna mm. i think people are gonna be like Shit, i'm hoping they'll like it as much as <laughs> I. Oh, <do."> yeah. <laughs> my um my 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 daughter she's she's gonna be eight uh, in a few weeks time she's been so i don't know if you're aware of this but i for, for about four years, I did this um, 
Instagram feed. So I, because I started the, the MMC group, I started a spin-off from that on Instagram called at MM Collectors. So every day I would I would take a photo of a masterpieces card, and it would oh, be awesome. your daily masterpiece, oh, and it would be a different card every day. Um, I put it on hiatus about a year ago, and I haven't picked it up because we we moved a year ago this weekend, um, and things were in carnage. So there's no way I was going to keep it up. I'm going to start it again soon, and obviously your your pieces will be in there as well. So I'll be tagging you regularly. Um, but my daughter would always on a Saturday when I was looking after her when my wife was working, she would always help me choose them. And she would always choose the female characters. Oh, good. Because, you know, she's a girl. She wanted the female <laughs> characters. And so now she's kind of a bit older and Don- Donnie's seen this. She's really gravitated towards Spider-Gwen and people like that. But I earlier on, she came in here because she's she's discovered that I've got all these retro video games here. So she's, she likes to play Spyro the Dragon. Oh, keeping it old school um so she sat here and i'm preparing like my notes for this evening and i'm looking at the pieces and she saw the storm on my screen oh nice. and she's like she's like daddy can i have that card so oh, i'm gonna have to get i'm gonna have to get two copies of that one <laughs> so you're happy that's good you've got a new fan there which is good i mean she she gate crashed just after we finished recording the, the just go interview as well because <laughs> she she loves his pieces anyway um spider gwen briefly spider gwen oh. and Miles are kind of a diptych that i think might be another one that i'm really excited to share um but one of my one of my kind of like barometers for is it a good piece is does somebody like my mom and my mom is my, my thermometer is would she look at this piece and enjoy it even if she doesn't care anything about comic books or care anything about x-men and so i'm hoping somebody can look at storm or look at spider gwen and yeah. that be inspired to find out more about this thing and that they like this just purely as an art piece yeah so that's yeah. nice to hear Thanks. no that is that is that is cool no it's, it's lovely i mean it just draws her in i think the color palette with with joe's work especially uh on the 2016 set just drew her in because she was like free form and she started seeing those and they're, they're they're quite bright you know um when you align them up next to maybe simone's work in 2018 for example so she was she was definitely drawn to that one um and i just think she loved the there was a pink border around the one that i showed her and i said i think that's one of the parallels so maybe you can't daddy might not be able to afford that one for you anyway um we um so the next artist, the, the the Marvel Masterpieces 95 artist came up trumps, let me just tell you. Oh. So Peter Scanlon um, said, first of all, Dan Dos Santos' work is amazing, and I can't wait to see the set. So he goes on to say, when I did the card paintings, I can remember one of the most exciting aspects was the attempt to bring more reality to the scenes and characters than was currently available in the comics. These days, with so many of the characters already having been brought fully to life in video games, movies, etc., I wonder if there's an extra pressure to differentiate the artist's own unique visions of some of those same characters. Totally. Oh, thanks, Peter. That's a great question. Um, yeah, it was weirdly. I think we have different expectations. I, I encountered it with Thanos in particular on this one, because Thanos is such in the comics such a cartoon character like you can't mm. quite tell it kind of looks like a scroll like obviously it's an eternal but like you don't know what's going on anatomically with his face things that work well in comics don't necessarily translate to realism uh dormammu was another one like that kind of match book that match head looking yeah. face. like how do you actually paint that 
in a real way. I think the movies have done such a good job of translating that, that now people expect a different level of, of refinement and legibility in some of these things. And so I tried to do Thanos as if he was a real person, a functioning person that like could move his mouth like accurately and like what that would look like. And it's, it's a, I know he's not released yet. It's a weird looking version of him, but I kind of like it. It's my, if he was in a movie that I made, he would look kind of like that, but he's not meant to be exactly the comic book version. And I definitely couldn't do the movie likeness. Uh, and for a while I had kind of like, I'd floundered between trying to be really accurate to the comics and then putting my own flair on it and trying to be original, not repeat what they had done in the movies or not repeat what they had done in the comics. And eventually I just dismissed it. I was like, you know what? I'm just doing my version. I don't care if it's, if it's realistic enough. I don't care if it looks too similar to the movie or too similar to something somebody else did. This is the way I want to do it. Uh, so I maybe put some undue pressure on myself for that, but there were certainly weird, weird characters that, that uh, Ultron was another one, right? Like once you see, you know, even in the comics, Addy Granov's Ultron, which looks mm. amazing. Yeah. And I think Adi probably designed the movie Ultron too. Maybe here, Andy Park are both together. Um, once you see that, and then you go back to your classic Ultron, you're like, oh, this looks like, <laughs> <laughs> this, this looks like a 1950s version of a robot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Trying to find that sweet spot in between was, was tough. <laughs> It's it's like the Iron Man Mark One compared to the um, um, like extremist version of the armor. Yeah, it's, it's so night and day, isn't it? Yeah. Um, sometimes. Um, great, Donny. Do you want to do you want to bring in the next one? Yes. All right. So the next one comes from Dave DeVries, and he starts with uh, to make sure that you know your work looks stellar, and he says to enjoy the ride. Uh, but his question was one of the things that always annoyed me when we were working on the set was that the current costumes of the day were not the iconic costumes that we all know and love. And he says, to this day, I cringe at some of the costumes and hairstyles that the characters had in the 90s. Were there any costumes that you were forced to use that you hated? Yeah, yeah. Firstly, also, I love Dave. I'm, and maybe I'm mistaken, but I hope not. I think Dave did the Superman piece of just like, just the chest and bullets bouncing off. Uh, I was on the cover of Spectrum Annual once, which I think is fantastic. Like I love Dave crosses over from fantasy to comics yeah. as well. Um, yeah, there were a couple, and I know other artists had a harder time with this. I know Dave, there was only like one card where he's like, I'm just not doing this. This looks dated and slightly racist and <laughs> like just push it out. There were certain costumes that maybe felt like misogynistic or overly sexual, uh, but for the most part, I was, I was given a lot of freedom on the set. So I just did me. There were characters that I just kind of like did my version of. So if they were an issue or their hair was an issue, uh, I just kind of changed it. And to be quite honest, like that was really bad 90s style stuff. I kind of dig. It's <laughs> <laughs> back in fashion. Yeah. I specifically like my Dazzler is not the disco Dazzler. It's the 90s Dazzler. Like I specifically sought out some of those things um so no 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 i'm trying to think if there was anybody in particular that i was just like oh i don't want to do that version but i don't know that there is i think i just didn't do it <laughs> so 
<laughs> Here's the question I think people will probably be wanting to, because people are impatient. I, I always say to people, listen, we've waited three years for this set. A few more weeks won't kill you. But I'm sure a lot of people jonesing to know which Wolverine they're going to see. Um, I think you're going to see, there's multiple versions. Wolverine appears in the set, I think three times. Um, so there's his kind of base card. I don't know if it'll actually be a base card, but his character card. Yeah. There's at least one battle card, and that one's the Weapon X version of Wolverine. And then there's the Canvas Gallery. And so I did different versions of Wolverine for each one. Oh, I nice. took the opportunity. I won't say which versions. Okay. Uh, All right. <laughs> and again, like I will also say, some characters have. I kind of did my twist on a lot of characters. So you might see, like, you're going to look at Domino and be like, that's not Domino's outfit. Um, there's like some characters are kind of a blend of different versions of them. Like, I wanted something that didn't quite exist. Uh, and I think for the most part, all my Wolverine costumes are accurate, but it might be like, oh, that might be the wrong number of stripes or something. But there, there's definitely eras of Wolverine. Yeah. I tried to yeah. So, yeah. That's I cool. I know the question you want to ask is there a brown suit Wolverine? <laughs> to be honest with you, I'm, I'm listen. I, I'm more of a I'm more of a, a Spidey guy, um, Spidey universe. So um, it's not a question I'm going to ask, but um, I think you've um, uh, let's just say you've wet the whistle. J just as I think of it, because I if I unless I write it down, and I'm not really capable of using my thumbs this evening because it's been a day. Um, the that sounds really weird. I've, I've been doing lots of like manual works on my hands are really tired. Um, does, um, do you know when your next, do you next release some paintings or do Rapidec do at a certain point and then they're out or so, is it the set release? Where, when can we next expect? Out. I don't know what I'm allowed to spoil. So I've been erring on the side of caution and sticking to my NDA and only spoiling the things that they've spoiled on the sell sheet. I'm just dying to, to let these loose. Um, I've put a question out to them to ask what I can share. Uh, so, so I don't, I, <laughs> I don't, so far I've just been sharing those things that I can, if they give yeah. me the go ahead, I'm waiting for, to hear back on my emails. A lot of people have been out of office for the holiday and stuff. Once I get the go ahead, I'll share a lot more. So, yeah, yeah, that's cool. Previous sets. I think it was about maybe two, three weeks before the actual set drop, they'd release maybe another little salvo of anywhere oh, from six nice. to 12 pieces. So, um, so, so yeah. once the actual set comes out, whether these cards have been pulled or not, I could just yeah. get it all. Everything's, so. everything's, yeah, everything's fair game. Listen, I, go. It's, I remember last time, the first, because in this day and age, the first time people see them, and I don't know if you've watched many of these, and maybe you will or maybe you won't, but you know the, the, the people break the cards online and they, they awesome. film them. I mean, have you, have you, I mean, how many of those have you watched in your time? Have you? <laughs> Unboxing videos, a couple. Um, like I said, you know, I'm more of a fan of the art than yeah. the cards, even though I do. I love the cards and I yeah. like collecting them. I'm not fanatic about the version. So for me, it's more about like, I'd sooner go to Dave's site and look at his whole gallery than I would look at an unboxing of Dave's cards. But I, I've certainly watched <laughs> my share. <laughs> well, I'll, wa I'll wager you'll probably watch quite a few more in the next few months because yeah. they will be absolutely everywhere. Um, I remember last time round because Upper Deck have the license for USA, Canada, but also that covers um, China, Hong Kong, Australia as well. So those guys were actually the first breaks online 
So you're seeing these Japanese breakers, like, you know, you can't understand what they're saying, just getting really excited over pulling tier four Wolverines from, from Dave Palumbo. <laughs> and it was the most bonkers thing. And, the you know, a lot of the American folk were up at stupid o'clock watching these things. And, of course, they couldn't do their breaks until it hit midnight in whatever, you know. I didn't even think about international. Like, I yeah. know it's really hard to get these hobby boxes, and I wonder about the allocation, if it's different overseas, if it's almost easier to buy it overseas and just have it shipped or something, or if it's, as far as I yeah. know, box, I don't right? know. I don't know. I, I know they get them over there. I've never seen. I mean, listen, I, I I don't kind of dig into it as much as a lot of the other collectors do. I've never seen anyone like say they've bought from a distributor in, in the Far East or Asia. Um, so I have a feeling those guys might not be able to sell the boxes. Maybe they can get them, but they have to kind of break them and then sell because there are some weird rules. Like magic is printed in multiple languages. I'm sure Donnie can tell you that. Um, as far as I know, Marvel Masterpiece is only printed in the English language. So yeah, it yeah, it's one singular language. printing, yeah. Yeah, they're probably buying from US suppliers anyways, but. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. It's crazy to watch. Um, so we are we are firmly in Marvel Masterpieces 95 territory here. Um, Dimitris Patelis. Mr. Dos Santos, very formal here. Excellent work. The Marvel Masterpieces are a life-changing event for an artist. Congratulations. No, thank you, Dimitris. So he has uh he's he's not not three for the price of one here. So we'll start with the first one. Which other artists throughout your art journey have influenced you the most, regardless of genre or period? Uh I think probably Michael Whalen. Michael Whalen is a huge inspiration for me. And again, another early early person I discovered is like Dragon of Pern cover right around in the 90s, the same time I was like discovering just oh, that those was him. Okay. Like yeah, yeah. Right. Um, and kind of like set this bar for me of what fantasy illustration should be. He was a mm. huge inspiration. Mm. Still is. See, the thing is for me, I'm, I'm, I'm very uneducated in who did a lot of those pieces, but I remember being really into those paperbacks yeah. that came out in the Michael 70s and Whelan 80s. In the illustration community is like, I, I think he's our generation's N.C. Wyeth. He's just so right. good has been around i bet if you still walk through and and again i know there's these pockets so a lot of people like that collect marvel art might not read sci-fi fantasy stuff if you read sci-fi fantasy and you go look at the bookshelf i bet that bookshelf is still dominated by michael whalen's covers from 30 years ago it's still half wow. the shelf, which is a testament to, to how good he is wow okay well I, i'm i'm gonna make it my I, I'm, I'm making it my kind of personal journey to uh, a read more muddy colors and b actually dig into some of these artists because I always really used to love those those paperbacks when I was like seven, eight, nine. You know, when Star Trek was on telly on BBC Two, six o'clock on a Tuesday. Um, also, uh, not to sidetrack, one more person that's highly influential to me is uh, Donato Giancola, who's again same genre uh, as Michael, a painter, just like flounders between fine arts and illustration, but has been such a uh he's been like a compass in my career he's just 10 years my elder paints all the same stuff i like to paint has a lot of the same influences and i've i've fashioned my career after his in many ways just seeing how he handles a convention seeing what he's charging and all these things that i i, I think i owe a, a debt of gratitude to him mm, as well mm, cool he, um, he answered me talk about donato yes. probably every time i've been on I yeah. would guess. So yeah. if any of you guys like Lord of the Rings, Donato's the guy to look at. Yeah. <laughs> mm. 
Yeah, no, I, Lord of the Rings. Oh, don't even get it started. I'm trying to reread it to my daughter. She's not old enough yet. She, I've read her The Hobbit. Yeah. Oh, nice. Perfect. But um, I think she may be a little bit young for that. Um, but I've still read it to her, but she's got no interest yet in Lord of the Rings. So when she's interested, I'll do it. Anyway, um, how did you deal with other professional commitments during the creation of the set? Were you and he's got he's got he's got follow on here. Were you contractually obligated to work only on the set? No, just there was no other time to do anything else. I knew that going in, I was worried about saying no to my faithful clients for literally two years. That if you just keep every time they call, if you say no, 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 after two years, they're going to stop calling. Uh, so quite literally, taking this job was a risk of and I'm not understanding this, ruining my career. <laughs> There's, it was a gamble. Um, I was kind of ready to start shifting away from book covers a little bit anyways. And I had been wanting to do more comic themed work and more private commissions uh, based on comic stuff. So I'd been kind of trying to gravitate my work to that. So it was a good time for that. Um, but I basically, I couldn't do anything else. I did set aside time for like hard hard essential clients that I would never say no to um, most of them I gave a heads up and let them know I wasn't going to be able to do it so like magic and stuff like that I said I'm sorry like for the next two years I'm booked up but I do Patricia Briggs book covers who's an urban fantasy author um, she does a series called the Mercy Thompson series that I've been doing since day one I think I'm on cover number 28 for her or something so wow, wow. I set aside and I'd gotten so much faster at painting these Marvel things that I could set aside instead of the normal two weeks, I set aside one week. And so that was, she and Brandon Sanderson are the only people that I stopped work on Marvel for a couple weeks to do their stuff that I just mm. could not miss and then went right back to their stuff. So. Wow. Wow. Okay. They're lucky, lucky people. Um, and, uh, Dimitri's final question. Do you ever work till early in the morning? What time of the day is your most creative? Oh my God. I am. I hate questions. Anything about work-life balance. I am truly the worst person to ask. I am oh. so unhealthy. I, I live a toxic lifestyle. <laughs> I worked uh, no joke on average. I think my average day was 14 hours at the easel when I was doing this job. Um, some longer, some like, I think my longest was like a 17 hour stint. And when I say a 14 hour work day, I'm not talking like hanging out at the water cooler and kind of work. I'm talking like, but in chair 14. Yeah. So I would usually start my typical day was I would wake up at 10 AM and grog around the house, like just like drinking coffee and checking emails till about noon. And then I would sit at my easel and just paint until the goal was 2 a.m. Cut myself off at 2 a.m. And then I would stop. I would go like have like a seltzer or something, like a hard seltzer and try to end my day and wind down. And then I'd inevitably come back to my studio with the cider and be like, oh, that's not very good. And paint two more hours. <laughs> until oh, wow. So a usual day was noon to 4 a.m crash hard at 4 a.m. I would stumble up to bed because I was so tired, wake up six hours later and do it all again. <laughs> and I don't know wow. that it's my best working hours, but it's just the routine I fell into. Yeah. So. 
yeah did you um did you take rest days between the pieces because I, I think i i i heard you say that it was Half like a a, maybe a three-day process for each one so, something yeah like that. it was monday tuesday uh, i would do a piece sunday monday tuesday I would take off half of Wednesday and then there was like, I needed to teach and do these other things. I teach in the meantime. And then I'd have the next painting would be Thursday, Friday, Saturday. So I would usually end up my, I had no weekends, but I would take off about four hours Wednesday morning to go hit the comic shop and get lunch with a friend. (laughs) And I needed those four hours. I basically had four hours off every week for a couple of years. It just gives you that headspace, doesn't it? Just that, that little oasis. Yeah, I I need more than that. I really I, mm. I pushed I pushed myself to a breaking point on this job. No joke. Okay. Um, I'm done with that. I'll never do it again. <laughs> wow. So. Okay. Well, we're, before we go on to the next one, because I think Donnie's champing at the bit because the next one's a multi one as well. Um, do you? Um... Oh, my brain's gone. My brain's gone. Do you, Do you remember the date that you started and the date that you finished the last piece? Let's see. I bet I could tell you. I'm just curious on that because when we spoke to Simone, I think he, I think he was like, he he did it in 18 months, but I think he finished five days before, and then he spent four days just going over and just like doing all these little, you know, for pieces he'd not touched in a year. He's like, oh yeah, I'm just going. <laughs> I I really do. When I say the beginning of COVID, I think it was like right when lockdown started in the uh, US. Wow, it's like almost exactly the first day. Uh, the last day I finished the paintings, I feel like was, oof, it was the beginning of 2022. Like a, we've been sitting on this wow. for like a year and a half. Okay. Uh, there were a couple months I needed to scan everything and then they sent me sketch cards. So I was still doing stuff for them, but the paintings had been done. I think my goal was to finish at the end of 2021 or something but um no it's been i can't remember exactly the last day because i feel like it just never ends it just blended it just blended tweaking paintings you know oh wow (laughs) Wow. but i can't let it go so i'm like you know (laughs) you're gonna be like george lucas tinkering with things 20 years down the line you know um do you um, exactly two years beginning to end so okay covid to almost the release of covid restrictions was was all this okay good did you go on a big ass vacation once you'd finished no, no. My family went on vacation without me and I was still stuck home working. Oh, um, wow. My vacation was just like, I think I just, I did nothing for a couple days. I might've played a video game. I saw some friends, but I'm not a big <laughs> vacation guy anyways. Like if you get me out of beach after two days, I'm so antsy. I just want to be drawing. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> no, I didn't, but we have some things planned. So good. Good. All right. All right. Good. Donnie. All right. This next one is a four pack from Nelson DeCastro. Oh. Uh, number one, how long does it take to paint each card for you approximately? And I think Sorry, I spoiled that. Bit. Sorry. It's all right. Sorry, Nelson. That's okay. yep and that is not how long it takes me i normally spend 14 days on a typical cover worthy painting um and i realized like i mentioned so they were on average 14 hour days so really i just crammed 42 hours i crammed a whole work week into three days is what i just so i say it took three days but it's it's not three days worth same amount of time just condensed 
Yeah. Gotcha. All right. The second question from him was, what were the characters you were hoping to get to paint in the set? That I didn't get to paint or did? That, that you were hoping to paint. Like, who did you want to paint and who did you get to paint? Um, there were a lot. I was, I was definitely excited about Storm and stuff like that. Definitely excited about Jubilee and I got to paint those. Some of my first go-tos that I was really disappointed that I didn't get to do was Nightcrawler and Apocalypse. And they were like, they'd probably be on my top 10 list of like, mm. this could have been the first I was really excited about. And they were both on the band list for some reason. Uh, not quite sure why. Uh, maybe it's a Fox thing uh, with the X-Men movies. I don't know, yeah. but I really yeah. wish I got to paint both of those. Gotcha. And then he asked, what was the hardest one for you to do? And which one turned out to be your favorite as number four? So uh my favorites you know i'm gonna let me look at my little uh sheet here because there's so many i actually forget some of them now i think still my favorites are are maybe storm is up there you know it's hard to say i have like a top 10 i don't know if i have a favorite jubilee is definitely up there storm is up there um dupe is up there (laughs) (laughs) dupe um I know it's going to be like some rare card. People are going to be like, I am not spending $500. Seriously, I lulled. <laughs> I lulled when that when I, when I read that. And then I was like, I, was, I, was, Don, I said this to Donnie, you'll hear it on the podcast. I was like, they better make that a tier four card. I can't, I can't <laughs> wait for tier four dupe. It's going to be great. A tier four dupe. <laughs> People dropping hundreds of dollars on a dupe. Uh, and then hard ones. Oh, you know what? Punisher was another favorite. And then I mentioned some of the hard ones where really just those big characters, it is hard to, it's hard to follow up Joe Jusco's Psylocke. It's hard to follow up Dave Palumbo's Black Cat. It is just like, there was just pressure on certain characters because the characters. Um, so mm. things like Spidey and Cap are always difficult. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, Spidey. I just love the, the, the concept of Spidey for this one, at least the piece we've, we've, we've seen, the one with the, where he's there and he's got the stuff going on around him. I I, I remember because I, I held looking at any of the pieces until we recorded our preview one last weekend. Mm-hmm. So I deliberately didn't, I mean, I'd seen them, but I'd not spent any time dwelling on them and I'd not delved into it at all so that I could capture my first reactions for, for this. Um, and I remember when I was looking at the Spidey, I was like, wow, okay, that's really interesting to me because it reminded me it reminded me a little bit of one of Julie Bell's pieces from 96 um, where he's, he's got the mask kind of coming on um, oh, and you no. can see, but it, what I liked about it was it wasn't a picture of him in the air or on a building. It was, it was, these are the things that these, this is the reason he puts on the mask. At least that's, that's what I read into it. Um, oh, thanks. That's what I was, that's what I wanted out of it. But again, it's this give take, like, you get one painting of Spidey and I wanted to kind of capture all of Spidey's world. But then also I kind of want to just do the jumping off a building. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. I was fortunate there were a couple other battle cards and stuff mm. like that, that I did get to play with those other aspects of Spider-Man a little bit where I really got to show his agility and stuff. Yeah. The one with Venom, I think we've seen. Uh, I might card. have a, we talked about we're going to pull up some scans so i have that one ready for you as oh well. good 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 all right well, well we'll pull them up in a minute we got one more one more artist yeah oh this is and great. we've just we've just mentioned her judy bell oh um and i was i was so pleased when she found time to, to reply on this one uh because i'm sure they've got stuff going on i adore julie 
<clears throat> who doesn't she's lovely she's gorgeous um before you get to her question a little side so the first time i ever met dave palumbo i was trying to remember when it was it was at a convention i was having lunch with julie bell um and she had brought her son along dave palumbo and that's how i i met both of them for some weird reason I had, because uh, it was a convention and sometimes I'm buying art, I had my checkbook in my coat pocket and back when people used checks, for some dumb reason, I've always had in my checkbook a Julie Bell trading card of Julie Bell, like her weightlifting days. Oh, and yeah. Like, right. Oh, by the way, here's a picture I keep of you in my wallet. <laughs> Would you like sign this? I never I'm a total grown adult carrying around a picture of Julie Bell in my pocket. I still do. It's still in my checkbook. That's wonderful. <laughs> That's amazing. That's wonderful. I've and did she did she sign it? I think she did. I think we didn't have a marker that stuck uh. to it, but I think she did sign it for me eventually. Yeah, it's still still in there. <laughs> Wonderful. Right. Get that PSA graded. Um, so during the time I was working on Marvel cards, there were several characters that I felt a personal connection with, either because I'd loved them from earlier years reading the comics or because of some aspect of their powers, visuals, storyline, etc. Did you have any feelings like this about any particular characters? Ooh, oh, that's nice. Um, yeah, yeah, I think so. You know, I'm always drawn to like strong female characters. I really love um, Jubilee. Might be the one I think I like latched on to quite a bit. Uh, my niece posed for it, so there's there's that aspect of it. It's it's like a female character which I've always been drawn to, and it, weirdly like. I think maybe because she was always the kid of the team that a lot of like, it sounds weird that like, like a 40 something year old male empathizes with like a 13 year old girl character. But I think it's because she was the kid of the team that I always kind of like had this attachment to her growing up. Um, she was certainly one. And I'm wondering if there's anybody else that I really, really latched on to. Um, looking at my list over here. I'd say she was maybe my biggest and Shatterstar. I don't know, again, because it was a sweet wow. song. Wow, brilliant. Like, just growing up, there was one of those characters where I was like, I just like this dude. I just like him, and I feel like he's had a nice resurgence. Uh, I think I might have mentioned this on another podcast, but I think he's maybe the first openly gay Marvel character that I can think of. Um, and so I felt like it was a great... Yeah. Yeah. great time to reintroduce him. And I again, I did my 90s version of him and not the modern version Oh, of cool. Him. Cool. But yeah, those were both like very personal ones for me. So. Wow. Okay. Brilliant. Um, so, <laughs> have you got? You mentioned earlier that you've got your scans all there. So I don't know if you've got all of them that you can officially show. I up fifteen for you. Fifteen that were spoiled. Not all of them. Some of them, like the Miles, I know was kind of spoiled. But I want to wait for Gwen too. So some I'm holding back on. Yeah. No, fair bit. enough. Fair enough. Spoil them nice. But do you have the Professor X there? I do. Yeah. You want me to right. see? Yeah. I, yeah. You should be able to share the screen. So feel free to, to drive if you, uh, if you can figure out where the button, button is. Oh. This is, this is where we wish we'd realized it. Organized here. Should be at the bottom. All oh. right. Well, Let Spidey. me know. Can you oh. see Spidey's up right we now? We can see Spidey. Yeah. Well, we can start with this one if you want. 
I think Professor X is maybe just number two or three, but yeah, whatever. Oh, you'd like. I'll, oh okay. I'll, well, no, go to, to Professor uh, X because then it will finish my thought. So now, what I okay straight away this now this is interesting on the on the I didn't register the shadows at the bottom on this one until I this think, very moment. I think, I think the image we had didn't have the full shadows. No. And yeah, it was it was a cropped version. I I remember yeah, I, I remember being drawn to the shadows. It up too. Mm. Yeah. So okay, that's fantastic. I love that 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 completes the piece for me cool. Thanks. Um, so for anybody that can't tell and i don't know these are always the tough like the conceptual motifs are tough because you don't know if you're yeah. overdoing it or underdoing it but for if anybody can't tell it's kind of supposed to be the shadows of of the first class walking in so we have beast yeah. classic beast before he's cat like Iceman, cyclops gene gray and yeah. angel here kind of walking into the gates of the school oh, that's angel of course the wings okay the wings yeah um yeah no the gene gray are sus because of the hair and the cyclops because uh, just because he's a tall dude just um clearly you can see his visor <clears throat> a bit, now right? in a rather childlike manner the reason i really wanted to pull this up is because dan that, that's clearly you yeah 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 <laughs> <laughs> there's only a couple ones i made it in on <laughs> yeah it, it makes me laugh there's there's the piece in fact donnie did you have the red spectrum one of one from from wizard i did yes yeah it's, it has time. since since found a new home but yeah that was the one that was that was dave uh was he did he only painted himself into wizard as the main character he was in a couple yeah, other ones too very but, clearly dave yeah. yep. didn't he say he was also jigsaw a little bit um I think, but he Jigsaw was a rearranged face, so they messed I think it, it around. Yeah, I yeah, think yeah. it was him, and then he like cut and pasted his face. He was in, uh, I think he? he was in Pip the Troll in the crowd, and he might have been yelling <laughs> in Blade, but I'm Pip, I'm not. He was in a couple of them, Pip like the ancillary. Troll. Yeah, Pip the Troll. one of the guys in Blade for sure. About yeah, to get yeah. I'm, right. <laughs> I mean, technically, I'm everybody. Like I'm posing for the hands and bodies. Yeah, everybody right. actually <laughs> sure, yeah. likeness. There's maybe like two or three cards where you could tell it's me. Yeah. I mean, I, I guess Dave had the, had the slight benefit of when he was doing a lot of his photo stuff, you know, COVID hadn't hit, Yeah, you know, so he was able to, uh, I, I'm assuming he was probably yeah. able to do that. Whereas you would have been maybe a little bit limited on that. Totally. Um, yeah. Um, now the reason, the reason uh, I, I laughed when, it, when, when Pip the Troll was mentioned, not least of which, because it's a, it's a fantastic piece is in Masterpieces 2020, you had what I now call Dave's Deep Cuts, yeah? So on this one, when we were looking through the uh, list of paintings, I won't call it a checklist because you don't know where they're going to fall in the set. Um, there's clearly some Dan's Deep Cuts um, in there as well. So uh, <laughs> we've mentioned Dupe. Yeah. Uh, we've mentioned Shatterstar. Yeah. Um, my eyes were drawn to Howard the Duck, which I know hasn't been released yet, but but was Howard one that they asked you about or was one that you... That was one of their recommendations. So out of, oh. I think, 135 pieces, I would say they dictated maybe 40 of them. Oh. Um, it could be even a little more. They started a list and then just left me on my own until we got to like the battles. And then they were like, oh, we need these things. And they started dictating. How were the right. ones they dictated? Um, but I probably would have chosen them anyways. He was on my on my list from the beginning. So <laughs> how are the duck? I mean, you come know, on. Maybe, maybe he was mine. So there was a lot of this like back and forth. Like I, I had a list I wanted and then we compared it to their band list and we gotcha. kind of like, did a lot of back and forth. 
Gotcha. Um, Tigra was another one that was all me. Mm. Uh, I don't know that she would have made the cut. I just like her. Um, I thought she'd be visually interesting. Uh, and then pretty much any like anybody that was a person of color, whether they made the list or not, I was pretty diligent about trying to slip them in. Yeah. So I don't think yeah. Bishop probably would have made the cut. Um, I don't know that Blade would have. I guess he, since he was in Dave's set, maybe he would have. But there were a couple that I, I was just particular about. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just I've just seen Squirrel Girl on the list, yeah. and Modok. I think Modok oh, might have been mine. Modok, Modok, Modok. I asked Donnie this last week. I don't think he's seen it yet. The the, the new Ant Man movie. I've he... still not seen it yet. No. Since, I fell asleep uh, on it twice. <laughs> uh, okay. All right. Well, fair enough. Modok is it? Yeah. For what it's worth. Yes, yeah. You, yeah. yeah. I don't, I don't have to watch that. It's going to go to the top of the list. Yeah. It's 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 fun, but you know, Paul Rudd. I mean, Paul Rudd's just brilliant to watch. Yeah. Um, right. Can we go back to purely selfish reasons? Can we go back to Black Cat, please? Yeah. Now, is that the way up that it's because she's clearly upside down? That's but it's inverted. Is it clear she's upside down? I think it's. A, it, it was meant to be a little, like, takes you a moment to figure out she's upside yeah. down. At first, yeah. you don't know if she's just jumping through laser beams. And yeah, then yeah, yeah. Hopefully, you see the guy in the background. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's oh, it. Oh, it's supposed to go this way. Now, the, the, reason, the reason I went there with it is because of the hair. Now, I'm a black cat collector, and I am rather fussy about my, the depiction of my girl. Um, when it comes to sketch cards. Um, and one of my big things with sketch cards is the hair's got to be right. Um, and, and good hair on a sketch card could be the, the only reason, you know, I, I, I acquired some of them. And, and you absolutely nail it here. And I've noticed that across the female characters we've seen is that you just seem to be able to, uh, I mean, I don't know what the what the technique is. You know, I, I I just know that it looks absolutely astonishing. Has that always been something that you've? Because Donnie said that your female characters have always been you know really strong. Is it something that you've just always found? Yeah, I think um, yeah, my char female characters have always been my favorite. Maybe it's also like I grew up in a household with three women, um, okay. three generations of women. So like my role models have always been female role models. So without getting too Freudian, I'm sure there's some something there that I'm attracted to that kind of strong female character. Uh, and then my career, a lot of fantasy, urban fantasy in particular, the kind of covers I do is geared towards a female audience. So think of mm. like Hunger Games kind of thing. Uh, so it's just female led heroines um, and protagonists in the story. So I just got good at drawing that. I actually think hair was one of my weak parts, uh, weaknesses. So I spent a lot of time, particularly on Black Cat, like trying to make my weak part the strong part of the piece, which is something I do a lot. If I think mm. I'm really bad at something, I try to make it the focus of an image and force yeah. myself to get good at it. Yeah. And so I think there's a couple characters I did a particularly good job on their hair and stuff. A couple probably not so good, but I like it on this one. <laughs> well, this is why I'm, and the reason I asked you to go back to this is I just spotted that Medusa was on the checklist, and I know we can't see her uh -huh. yet, but I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how you've you, you've done Medusa. Her yeah. hair is crazy. People might hate it. People, there's I <laughs> I know I, I probably said this, but. Uh, Every now and then I'll do like, I'll do a piece and I ask myself, is this 
too weird. Like I'm getting too weird here. <laughs> and then I just think, yeah, you know what? I like it. I don't care. I'm going to do it anyways. Brilliant. Uh, and hair is one of those things that I sometimes like, I know you can kind of see a little bit that it's been spoiled a few times on video kitty. Um, her mm. hair is this weird, like it kind of looks clay, kind of looks fake, kind of looks like hair thing. Just, I think hair is this great opportunity to play with design shapes. Yeah. Yeah. And so sometimes I like just going crazy with stuff. So Medusa is one of those where people are going to be like, this is weird, but maybe cool. Hopefully cool. <laughs> no, I'm, I'm really looking forward to it because I, I distinctly remember, was it Joe's? The hair was just like, the whole piece was just yeah. like, it's the craziness of it. it so vibrant. Um, so I'm really, really looking forward to that. Um, yeah, I was going to ask something else, but it's gone out of my head. So what else do we have here? Um, we, we saw the spidey very quickly. We'll start at the beginning here. We'll go through and let me uh, mm. let me actually enlarge all of these for everybody. Ah, we can see them down the side. Good. Okay. And you guys can see, you're not seeing my messy desktop on top of that. Right? No, no, no. It's very clean. Good. All right. So we've got Spidey here. I, 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 I just, I, <laughs> it's great. I can't stop looking at that piece. Thanks. The spidey um, piece. You know, it's, I mean, every character to me is more than just the character. It's a whole world. Yeah. Same with T'Challa. You know, I feel like you mm. can't capture Black Panther's, what he is as a character just by running through the jungle. You know, he's more than that. He's like a king. He's a protector. So yeah. I wanted to make sure I showed all of Wakanda in the background too. Like, like he's over, he's watching over the city. And I love the. I've just spotted it now. Again, it's with the images released and what isn't isn't visible. The the, the eyes of the kind of got a gargoyle, I guess that he's stood on. Yeah. Kind of this cool Art Deco. I wanted like an Art yeah. Deco style Panther building. Yeah, it's it's brilliant. It it kind of almost mirrors in a way. Yep, that's um, that's the hope. Uh, Black cats. Uh, listen, I'm going to spend the next two years talking about that piece. So, you know. <laughs> Dan, even though that's super, you know, kind of the same idea as Dave's, you probably would have painted this before you even saw his, right? Like, oh, yeah, that's absolutely. yeah, we've been done way before that set was released. I really, I tried to block out anybody else's images of their characters because mm. I just didn't want. Right. I think again, Dave and I having so many similar influences we were probably both like laser beams like, <laughs> and that's what we built the piece around. Cause it's a cat burger thing. Of course that's sure. the idea is like breaking into a museum with laser beams around. Um, but yeah. So, and I, I did the same thing. I noticed it happened a couple other times. Uh, his captain Marvel is basically my captain Marvel from a different point of view, or I should say mine is his from a different point of view. Oh wow. And then I had never, not too many spoilers, but I did um, Captain America versus Red Skull. And in retrospect, I discovered Joe Jusco did almost the exact same painting. I just never knew it because it was like a hollow foil card that uh. was too rare for me to have ever collected. So I never <laughs> saw that piece of his. And I finally saw it, I think in one of the groups, somebody shared it. I was like, oh, shit, that is exactly my composition. <laughs> And it's just, there's a lot of like, there's only so many solutions to a visual yeah, problem. You sure. know, when you're trying to get two characters to fit on a card, you end up coming up with a lot of the same answers. Yeah. Uh, but yes, this is, you could almost think of this as the same scene as Dave's, like just a moment before or after. I love it. And that's cool. Cause it kind of, it, it kind of reminds me as uh, in my head, I've got this visual image of a film strip. 
yeah, it's just it's a, you know pieces of a bigger story. Yeah, yeah, it's like a tapestry. I love it. Again, trying to build out the world that I think you can't really like. Professor Rax is more than his abilities to me. He's a teacher. He's a he's a captain. He's like mm. uh, so. I I wanted that sense of him running the school is like a large part of what makes him him outside of his abilities. I I, I love the um the the texturing on the on the brickwork that goes around on this one. Uh, this is another one where there's a couple pieces where I spent longer on the scene than on the character themselves. Oh, mm -hmm. these bricks. <laughs> Just there's no fast way to paint bricks. Yeah. So. Yeah. Oh, it works. I love it. Ugh. Storm, storm, two of two. Goodness me. This was another, this is another canvas gallery one. I tossed a couple in here for you guys. Mm. A little larger. There's another Magneto card as well, what I think is, is a nice image of him. And I think Magneto probably appears three times as well on the set. Oh, that's just, <laughs> it's, it's seeing it in, because obviously the images we've seen, a lot of them are, are kind of uh, done in the, um, you know, the image that they'll be like in the card. Um, so just seeing them in, in their full. Thanks. This one, you're probably seeing this right now on your screen, larger than the original is. Yeah. It's only six inches wide. It's only about this big. So. Oh, really? Wow. Yeah. There's, okay. You know, you're seeing some roughness and stuff in here, but like, you know, if, by the time it gets down to card size, it's less rough. And yeah. the size I painted it at. Yeah, so. exactly. Um, can I ask, actually, what, while I think about it, sorry, um, your um, one of the things that they do in the set is they do the... Um, uh preliminaries as as things that you can get a redemption card for and then you send it in and it will be completely potluck as to which one you get and i was very very fortunate to be able to get and donny thank you donny for this one because donny uh, spotted it and snapped it up for me the one that that dave wow. did so awesome. i've got that on on this that little bit of one of my favorite pieces from his whole set by the mm. way that black guy um, so I'm, you know, I'm very happy with this i i, I couldn't get the original art, but this is very, very happy with. So what what can people expect from your kind of versions of this and what, what kind of size or format are they? I think on that sales sheet, you probably saw like a pencil drawing of Squirrel Girl and Craven. Oh, Craven. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Deathbird on the left. Uh, those are my preliminary pieces that will be given away. And I was just, I think I've got a scheduled uh, post on my Patreon tomorrow that's going to spoil a little bit of what to expect Upper Deck hasn't spoiled too much, and I don't want to say too much about what you can expect redemption-wise, but there will be at least, there's more than 100 original works of art that, of mine that will be given away as, as redemptions or achievements or something wow. like that. The majority of them are preliminary pieces. A couple original paintings from the set, some heavy-hitting ones, too. Um, and... Uh, Lots of sketch cards and sketch covers will all be redemption. So I know we, we've talked a little bit about sticker shock on this set. And I know people are upset that there's no guaranteed sketch card hits and stuff like that. I don't know that it, there isn't a guarantee. I think they just are waiting for numbers. They don't know, so they didn't say anything. But mm. for what it's worth, if it changes anybody's uh, mind about investing in the set, there are at least a hundred pieces of mine alone, in addition to other artists that are going to be redeemed in this set. Wow. Wow. So the, okay. the, the answer your question more specifically, the, uh, let's see, I have, this is a printout, but let me, uh, 
oh, I can't show this because it's Wolverine. <laughs> but, <laughs> Almost. We were so close. We were so close. Um, so those pieces, my actual, like, my preliminary process, uh, and some people might be seeing this online, like I've been doing how-to posts and stuff. You know, it's very rough thumbnails and then color studies. And then I do reference and I do more digital work. And then it's like just piles of tracing paper and scraps of paper and a head from this drawing and a leg from this drawing. I took Upper Deck asked me to show the preliminary stuff, which is all, uh, it's back in my studio. It's just piles of scrap paper and tracing paper. And they said, that's fine. I thought it looked ugly. I didn't want to print cards that look, because in addition to these being redemptions, they actually make these cards look like yeah. this. I would be fine giving away those messy drawings as redemptions because they're part of the process, but I didn't want the cards to look bad. So I went and took, normally I take all of those scraps and I just kind of like, you know, rub it on my canvas. It helps me like I transfer my drawing. It doesn't look print worthy. So I went and I took all of those tracings and traced it over one more time, all unison on a single page. So you're not like when people win it, they're not getting four pieces taped together to get <laughs> an actual image. And then that's what you're seeing printed as the preliminary art on those cards. Nice. Okay. Oh, I'm excited about drawing. that. Mm. That's my final drawing that then I transfer to my board. And that's what I paint on top of. Okay. So what you're seeing is not a concept sketch that's those are so illegible nobody would know what they're looking at what you're <laughs> seeing is the underdrawing phase like that is when i'm locked in and i'm like i am ready to paint and i'm painting on top of a drawing it's that drawing that you're seeing wow okay good good all right yeah i'm excited for those i'm excited for those let's see what's <laughs> my reaction to this it took me a while to find it in my head but it was die hard <laughs> <laughs> funny cool i like rocket it was i got to do all the guardians on there which was nice mm. i was a little worried about this one being so gun heavy that they might not go for it uh and this was the first character that i deviated a little from his costume that i didn't put him in his jacket they had specified the exact costumes on a lot of characters early on the ones that they chose the character for they also told me the costume for um and I took off his jacket because I needed a spot of white in the piece. Otherwise it all would have been too dark. And I thought, are they gonna give me a hard time about this? And they didn't. And once they, that passed approval, I was like, oh, I'm changing everybody's costumes. <laughs> like, I'm just gonna do whatever version. If I could take the jacket off of Rocket, I, I, I can do whatever, so. Oh, I mean, great. I, I love the cool. fact that some of the bullets are still smoke. Oh my goodness. Squirrel. <laughs> Oh, so I think maybe this one might be an early spoiler. You only have seen the preliminary for this one, probably, right? Uh, yes. Oh, so I thought yep. this might be a nice treat for you guys. This is brilliant. Thank you yeah. so much. Uh, <laughs> I, 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 is this the squirrel in the air? Is that Tippy? Uh, 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 kind <laughs> <Yeah>. of pal. <laughs> That's the one I'm kind of picturing as Tippy. Is the one I'll offer. Yeah. Because yeah. you've got there's 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 a lot of squirrel action going on in this one. <laughs> um and then it's all going to get covered by type and border it's I, like, I, I know but i mean <laughs> listen I, squirrel girl is, is one of those marmite ones yeah. um there are there are people who are 
very few people who are passionately go after her and everyone else kind of just throws <laughs> verbal rocks at them um, in a nice way yeah not not mean um but i love that she's you know, for the people that collect her i love that she's been given yeah. a really really strong treatment because that's i love the light on her tail that's really cool there's a lot of people gonna be very excited about that yeah cool. Well, yeah. she's another character that I think is a fun character that's having a resurgence lately and, and well yeah. deserved. And I think she she hits well with a younger crowd and a yeah. female-centric crowd and stuff. So But I'm what's good, to- what's good is that since with every masterpiece is set over the last few years, there's always been a character that people never saw before, never appreciated before, that suddenly gets more followers and more collectors. Um so ego the living planet is is one that i would definitely say came out really well uh from 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 the set uh that that dave did um and this one i think there's going to be more squirrel girl collectors frankly after this so there's you know again i think just a single piece of art can do it so for me uh the unstoppable squirrel girl comic is drawn by a woman named erica henderson who's Mm. brilliant and it's colored by uh rico renzi i think and the combination of those two together is just like, it's this perfect squirrel girl. She's this like very cartoon-like, plus-sized, <laughs> like kooky girl that was just like, made me fall in love with her. So mm, I love it. I, mm. I feel like she's, yeah, she's, she's coming back in a big way. She is. Right. Who's, ne- who's next? Who's next? Oh, there we go. Ultron. There he is. Ah. <laughs> another one like trying to find that balance of classical and modern really yeah. yeah it's 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 what he's standing in i've just really is that like molten mm-hmm. metal like, uh, yeah just i have no idea like some foundry melting or something Again, yeah it was indestructibility without one of the real challenges in this set and it doesn't seem is that you can't you can't mess up the characters in any way you can't distress their outfits you can't dirty up their face. Okay. You can't do a lot of these things. And so like when you're trying to show a battle, that's hard. And when you're trying to show somebody who's essentially invulnerable, it's really difficult to, to show that. Um, so I thought, yeah, if he's walking through lava just fine, that's a great way to kind of show off this idea that he's just right. No, that's See, cool. yeah, I guess, yeah, he can't be on fire. He can't be like charred or burnt or like missing robot pieces. Yeah, and the idea, like everything else, whoops, the everything else is destroyed. So we have eye beams, we have cap shield, the cap shield. Have, I've just spotted uh, it. Yeah. Oh, that's going to drive Pankit. So there's a there's a collector called Pankit <laughs> who collects Captain America, and he's a character collector like me. So he collects on hard mode. So if any visual aspect of the character appears on the card, he's got to have it. Now he might luck out here; that might get cropped. But if it doesn't get cropped, he will. Yeah. He will need this card. Yeah, there's there's a little bit of that. There's little bits of cap in quite a few pieces, actually. So he might have his work cut out for him. Okay, um, all right. Yeah, he's gonna he's gonna be cursing you, right? Again, like <laughs> you... Talking about the idea of the character to me, Ultron. I think it's the idea of vengeance and stuff. Mm. Like he really is like part of his character is he's an Avengers enemy. I think like that drives him in many ways. So yeah. I wanted to show something in there a little bit that he's he's a vengeful character he's got that rage about him isn't he mm-hmm. mm. cool uh, jubilee there, there's you go that's yeah that's one of my faves from the set um, i love the colors I'm excited about her i love the colors this, in that. uh oh 
shout out because maybe people don't know, but there's an artist from the 80s named Patrick Nagel who passed away quite young, but he's the guy, if you think of what 80s art looks like, that's Pat Nagel art. The like red lips, white faces, and just neon lasers running through. Daft Punk is basically just ripping off, ripping off Pat Nagel's. Oh, wow. Okay. Um, there's a lot, there's like, I think a whole literal adult swim cartoons that are just like made to look like this Miami Vice 80s style of art. That's all Pat Nagel, who to me growing up, I think in retrospect was maybe like one of my first artistic influences. And I just didn't know who he was, but I used to hang out. My aunt was a hairdresser and she had a hair salon and his work was hanging up in the hair salon because it was just makeup, <laughs> like pretty girls. And I would sit in her hair salon over the summer, over summer break and kind of draw some of his stuff. And I'm not realizing who he was, but he's since kind of seeped into my subconscious a lot. So if you guys want to Google Pat Nagel, you'd be like, oh yeah. Yeah, I've got a whole, yeah, I'm going to sure. have to write down stuff when I listen, because I listen to the edit part. <laughs> I'm going to be coming up with a list of names and then that's going to be my, my, my task to myself to find out more about these guys. So the treatment of Jubilee's ability is meant to kind of be a shout out to him a little bit and even the color choices of it a little. So That's brilliant. I love it. Who's next? Oh, I love this one. Oh, Cage. He was another, another one. Like, again, I feel like a lot of these characters you can't take out of their environment. I think you can't do a Luke Cage card with it not being about Harlem in some way. Uh, so I wanted to literally show him on the street um, like protecting, so eh, there's lots of story here, but like obviously this guy just mugged some old lady mm. in her bag and he's like like knocking out some pump thief in his town. Uh, I know the barbershop is not a real thing in the Luke Cage comic so much as it is the TV show, but I feel like barbershops in particular are just such a, a thing in black culture and in Harlem in particular, I associate yeah. it. Um, so I wanted to like bring that essence into there. Oh, there's I've just spotted an Easter egg. There's a lot. What Easter egg did you spot? <laughs> uh, a Tusker. Yeah. Okay. Good. So like, yeah, original creator. There's Bush. Uh, sorry, my mouse is a little sensitive. Bushema is in oh, the wow. graffiti a little bit. My initials. Uh, this is supposed <laughs> to be like Romita, but it's broken up. And okay. then a little bit of a K that was going to start to be Kirby kind of thing. Oh, so uh, much to look at. There is so much to look at in this. DS slipped in there for my initials. The, uh, the phone number is a Harlem area code. And 1972 is the year Hero for Hire first came out. Yeah. And then again, I thought like, to me, Luke Cage, it's, it's about him being a role model and a protector of his neighborhood. So mm. I wanted this idea of these kids inside of the barbershop watching in awe of this like guy they want to grow up to be. Because again, I feel like that is part of who Luke Cage is. Uh, I wish I got to spend a little more time on, on some of those background elements. Uh, and I probably will. I'll probably go back and tweak it even more still. <laughs> oh, sweet Christmas. I love it. And again, he was another one I kind of like tried to find a balance there of like old school power man colors, like this yellow black thing, mm. bracelets, but then mix him with the more modern version of shaved head and goatee. So there's no actual version of Luke Cage that's maybe exactly like this. He's yeah. kind of an amalgam of power man mixed with Sanford Green's power man mixed with the TV show version mixed with all these things. 
That's it's, great. And like the it. full reflection just in the glass. You painted I the love entire the city in the scene. Glass. Yeah. Just that's that's wild. Mm. It, and it's it uh, weirdly, even though I wanted it to be Harlem, the reflection is a little bit more. I think that might be like Times Square. I was thinking of maybe a little bit like this idea of these roads going against that one building seems very yeah. Times so, yeah. Um, just New York. <laughs> or again another person who is there's more to him than just him i feel like the hammer is as important of an element to his ability as he is very Um, much so and that you might even argue that thor himself isn't really a superhero outside of his like the hammer is what's kind of giving now it's changed a little bit but initially story-wise the hammer is what's powerful not thor right right Uh, so i wanted that to showcase as well and I took it upon myself to change the pronouns on the hammer a little bit. So. I could see your signature on that one, just or your name rather, just on the column that he sat on. And then I kind of did in a couple pieces, I did this like very Kirby-esque rainbow bridge where it's like this like zigzag kind of like cutty thing. Like, I don't know why the rainbow would make a 90 degree turn, but I like that old <laughs> psychedelic Kirby vibe. Uh, and I thought it'd be cool to have it going around buildings, almost like some sky bridge, you know. Here's a question for you, because I noticed Heimdall, I don't believe, is in the in the list. Um, but I noticed Jane Foster is in the list. So can we expect the Jane Foster to be in her The Mighty Thor? Mm-hmm. Yep. 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 That's cool. That's I'm cool. So looking forward Which to seeing that. Another reason why I was deliberate about making sure I changed the pronouns. And yeah. Since we have have it being shown more than once. Oh wow! Okay, yeah, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing that Jane Foster. Oh. And you guys, I don't think this one's been spoiled without the weird emerald, like the holofoil, the battle spectra background. So I thought I'd show this one a little. So, so this is Venom versus Spidey for those on audio. <laughs> for those on audio, get to YouTube right now. Right. <laughs> um, and so this one again was another chance. So there's another Venom card. There's another Spidey card, and I wanted to explore different things about both characters on those cards. So this one was a chance for me to kind of show ultimately like a more agile Spider-Man. And this Venom honestly doesn't look anything like my other Venom. I just wanted to do this like way oversized, beefed up Venom kind mm. of monster guy on this one. So just That's sort of right now, man. like tiny, fast and agile versus like big, strong. Yeah. Battle. And he's just ripping Spidey's webbing off himself. Yep. Yeah, it's like it's little pieces of symbiote like reaching out towards Spider-Man's yeah. hand. Yeah, I picture like he just got whacked in the face with a bunch of web and Spidey's zipping in and bouncing off him before he can even kind of get the stuff off. You know? And and the saliva just coming off Venom's tongue is a, such a lovely touch. <laughs> That's gnarly. Thanks. I know a couple people have been asking for me to spoil that one lately. So. Yeah, well, uh, this um, this will... Oh. And oh, this might be my last Michael. This is number fifteen. Right? Okay, no, Which, this, is, this yeah. is kind of the showcase piece of the set. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. And again, this idea of the character being larger than their identity—that it's what they signify. Mm. The sense of duty to your country, the sense of pride, and and stuff. So I wanted to really capture that with this piece. That's astonishing. I I love the um. Just the, the middle little boy's head is just almost perfectly centered oh, at the thanks. star on the shield. 
Um, it's such a golden age meets 2023. Like I, I love that. Just all the little bits and pieces and the, you know, you talked about Rockwell and Liondecker and you just have those just transported a hundred years into the future. That's, that's so cool. Thanks. I was really trying to go for that Rockwell vibe on this one. And, and again, about the idea of this, like, here, I, I think of all of these Marvel characters, they really are our modern mythology. They are our Homers. Yeah. They are our Achilles. And so I, I like the idea of like, it's Cage inspiring the next generation. It's yeah. Captain America inspiring the next generation. That, that was important. Yeah. That's, it's interesting. That's exactly when we spoke to uh, Simone a couple of years ago, that's exactly what he was saying about the the, the modern mythology uh, of the characters um, and what he was going for in an exhibition that he was doing in Italy at the time. Um, I think it's that way for a lot of, if you look at, you know, like Joe Jusco's Captain America, you look at Dave Palumbo's Captain America, they're very political pieces. I think that like maybe once some of them got banned, like, like Dave's Captain America is this depressing homage to like almost feels like a commentary on war in America because I think that's what Captain America is for so many people is he's this symbol of America that it's not just Steve Rogers we're painting we're painting like our <laughs> our feelings about America I think yeah. on Joe's it's a bloody flag coming down and stuff which they might have changed um, but yeah on this one I, I, I wanted to despite maybe my personal feelings on, on politics, I wanted to make sure it really, it did a good job of symbolizing all of that. Yeah. How much do you love painting those scales? <laughs> you know what? They're not too bad. <laughs> I think they'd be worse. Drawing them is a little harder than painting them, getting them to line up just right. Mm. And I've done scale mail enough times since I do match the gathering and stuff like oh. that. Um, I kind of made it look more like old fashioned medieval scale mail armor. I like a dragon scale, but um, mm. I actually kind of quite like it. <laughs> no, I, think cool. I did it twice, right? So I had I went. Yeah, back. yeah, 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 yeah. You can, uh-huh. yeah. Oh, yes, yep. of course, yeah. No, it is. Um, it is interesting. Uh, I, I, we, I've heard it. T- I've heard tell from artists who've been like, I absolutely f-ing hated it. So it's, it was interesting <laughs> to see. Um, There's a well, lot of things like that in costumes where you don't realize yeah. until you have to paint it and not draw it. But it's like, oof, this is. This doesn't translate quite as well. Well, the thing the thing that came up when we spoke to um, to Joe, and he said this before, so I brought it up when we spoke to him, was that he he's not a fan of drawing Iron Man at all because he doesn't like the armor. And then you get, you get people like Julie, who, you know, one of her first Marvel cards was the Iron Man from uh, Marvel Masterpieces 93. No one better for metal than, than Belle and Viejo. Yeah, yeah. And her surfer was just like chef's kisses. Um, these are amazing. Um, I... We, just quickly, because we, we we probably need to let you go um, soon. Can I just ask about sketch cards? Because I don't know if you'd ever if you'd ever done them before. Nope. This set, no, this set is the first one, and, and there'll be quite a few in there. And how, how have you found them? Um, they were here. I'll pull up one. I'll spoil one as a sample. Okay. Ooh. Just so you know, this episode will probably be up. Uh, where are we Sunday we've got about 10 days till this episode's up so um, uh, so I'll have already spoiled it on my that's way. okay that's fine that's fine but what I'm what I'm saying is we won't um, uh, there'll be a, there'll be a little bit of a, a, a delay all right screen sharing is pause let's see one, one can only imagine Donnie the marvels that he's scrolling through right now hiding away 
<laughs> just waiting. Share, but it doesn't want me. I'm going to stop share and go back to it. That's uh, okay. Mm. Okay. Um, oh, my kitty on. <laughs> they are hard. Sketch cards are really hard. So kudos to all the guys that do this. But I will say Upper Deck is very protective of those sketch cards and very stingy. So there is no room, there's no experimenting. I, ideally on a new surface that I don't know, I would like to have a couple tries before I ruin a card. <laughs> so it took me a while to figure out what mediums work well on it, what mediums don't, how much water I could put on it. But by the end of however many I did, it was, I started getting the hang of it. Same thing Goodness. with the sketch covers that I did. Um, mm. But what did you end up going with, Dan, for medium? Was it oils or acrylic or a little bit of both? Mostly airbrush and colored pencil. Okay. Is the only thing like you, I, everything just sucks into the, and they keep changing it every year. So like I keep hearing from people that it's like you finally figure out one method and then they change the paper on you. I think marker people have a, a lot of people do marker on theirs because it's the only thing it seems to take well. Gotcha. But if you're airbrushing, you're never really getting much water on the surface. So I would just kind of start with a light drawing, airbrush some tones, which you can see that's why there's a lot of like brown overlap here, and then tweak a little with colored pencil and stuff. Nice. You're going to be okay, Ian. <laughs> uh, listen, I'm going to collectively speak for our audience when I say, holy. <laughs> uh, that is astonishing hats off to you sir um so for those who, who don't know we're looking at a sketch card of electra um and that's on a two and a half by three and a half yeah so let's let's zoom oh, out it's how, incredible that's it's wild all you're seeing is all like that's when it's big just <laughs> just wonderful um I, i'm duty bound to ask if there's a black cat sketch card somewhere in that mix let me think I don't know. There okay, is you and I will speak at some point in the future about that becoming a reality, sir. Um, <laughs> I'm sure you're getting. I'm I sure you're getting characters for sketch cards. I did not choose characters for sketch covers. They yeah. Should. Okay. Um, I'm. You must be getting absolutely bombarded with with. I mean, I know uh, Fausto is being your kind Fausto, of. Um, I haven't checked any. I am so bad. We set up an email. I need to go through and read everything. We're kind of waiting. I am getting a little bombarded on DMs and stuff. Yeah. But for the most part, we've tried to keep that pretty organized. Yeah, us. yeah, yeah. It will be. Listen, it, it, the volume will go down on it. But it's at the moment, I'm sure it's going to be. There's going to be loads of people asking, have you got any APs? Yeah. Got any APs? I've got 15 APs for myself oh. that they gave me. Um, and those I'm hoping to, and I don't know how it's usually done. Um, and I want to make sure they get everywhere. So the plan with them is I'm going to just, ideally, I'm just going to paint whatever I want, one at a time, yeah. and when I'm ready and I like it, I'm going to put it out there and sell it. And I'm hoping to make them even better than what you see here. Like mm. I want to make my APs like full-fledged oil painting. So I'm going to seal the wow. cards, make them look as good as marble trading cards. Oh. And then I'll be putting them up for a combination of sale and auction. Some will just be first come, first serve. And I'm going to put them in a variety of places. So I'm hoping even like the MCC group on Facebook, one just for there, up for auction or whatever, that those guys get that and it won't be anywhere else. Mm. One just on my Instagram, one just on the other Marvel group, one or probably more than one on just my Patreon. I, I suspect about half I'm going to keep for my family. Of course. Yeah, yeah. Um, 
um, and just kind of try to spread them out a little bit and spread them out very slowly. It's going to take like a year for me to, I'm not going to rush into these. Whenever I have a nice weekend, I'll do the best card I can do. Yeah, that that's going to be great. And then I think, and this is again, just me talking out of my butt. This might all change. (laughs) (laughs) One, one might be a prize or an auction that it's up for commission that you're buying the card and it's whatever character you want. I'll do. Um, Spicy. But otherwise, it's going to be me picking and choosing because otherwise, I know it's just going to be twenty Wolverines <laughs> or Spider Men, and so I'm going to like pick pick some characters. So, wow. Okay. They're going to be all twenty <laughs> cards. <laughs> <laughs> please, please do that. Um, just so I can see the collective look on the community's faces when you drop that. Um, that would be wonderful. Um, are you going to be you've mentioned that you've done cons um are you going to be doing any cons that might kind of lean more towards the the, the marvel side or san diego or new york I'm or something doing, like that i'm scheduled to do dragon con in atlanta georgia which is okay. huge and i think this set is going to drop one day before the con um wow so I, am, I don't know what's going to happen with it but tentatively i'm scheduled for a two-hour lecture there and I'm hoping to do like a run through of the whole set and spoil it publicly, maybe for the first time there at Dragon Con. Oh, amazing. Okay. Um, and maybe have a few originals on display at my booth. My booth is mostly geared towards selling prints of things, of which of I can't sell prints of these, but I might put on display like the Captain America and the Spider-Man and stuff like that, just, just to show off. Um, and then if you can't make Dragon Con, as soon as this set goes public, I think I'm going to do a similar lecture on my Patreon, uh, maybe even make it public just, just for everybody's sake, just like talk about the making of the set and really go sure. through every piece one at a time. So. Sure, sure. But if you guys are in Atlanta and you do Dragon Con, that's the place to see it first, I think. So. Well, I, I'm, I'm absolutely nowhere near it. Absolutely nowhere near it. So <laughs> I'll, be, I'll be relying on the... On the, on the online version it did make me laugh um this this sort of thing does make me laugh let me just find this so you very kindly posted in the mmc group um (laughs) and uh you posted one of your videos and overnight i woke up to a comment from joe jusco that he posted show off (laughs) (laughs) comment He's talking. Joe is a show off. <laughs> and I just, I just thought that was a wonderful, wonderful joshing. And and you know, it 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 must be given what you spoke about and you're coming up and seeing that the set's coming out. It must. It is a very elite group of artists. It's a very, very, very small group of artists who've been able to work on these sets. That must feel quite. It might be. It might must be a pinch yourself thing i mean you've probably had a bit of time to get used to it no maybe maybe it's because i'm you really do get to meet all your heroes in this industry and it's Mm -hmm. always just like awe-inspiring at how humble and approachable all of them are every time Mm -hmm. and i think not to sound jaded or anything i think i've gotten used to that i've been doing this for over 20 years and i might meet somebody like claremont or jusco or waylon or boris or julie they're just like yeah sure sit down and chat it was just like oh man so <laughs> so that kind of shock of that has maybe worn off a little bit yeah. but it really is like 
truly like if I told 13 year old Dan that you're going to follow up Jusco and be chatting with him and painting the same set and getting advice from him and like input from him I would I probably wouldn't believe it yeah um, it really is it's a treat well you know I mean I I rather flip I mean you probably you got deluged I'm sure on social media on the day that was announced but I think I posted uh, a gif or something like that yeah welcome to the party pal and you know it, literally i mean it is an absolute privilege to have your work in this space to, to have your work in this set to you know to to have you give so much of your process and time to to kind of walk the community through that on all the pieces of content you've done including this one so you know i'm just going to kind of preempt it on behalf of everyone i'm sure they've said it before but thank you for yeah. just you know stepping up and being part of it truly privileged to be a part of it um and yeah and i I like sharing that stuff so there'll be you know i shared a little bit on that group if anybody's interested in seeing more i've been dumping all that on my patreon that's like almost i'm worried i'm going to bore people with how in depth i get (laughs) it's not boring it's not it's it's great that's i've been following along and it's been wonderful not boring at all but people can wade in as much as they want that's the thing you know so you know, so uh, you can either just dip your toe in from some some nice fluffy content like this, or Justin Show, or you know, one of the one of the content streams, or you can go and really get a handle on it. Or if what I like about it is that you've already done some, and I'm sure you'll do more. You know, if you're a particular, so when the Black Cat one goes up, for example, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be like diving fully into that because you know that, that I, I want I want to know the DNA of that entire thing you know um it's one of the things that i love about dave's process is that he did in fact i think you did this donny on your blog was it the, the pieces of music yeah that was when, that was my article series yeah that was yours yeah uh-huh. um and the one that dave chose for black cat was uh all mine by portishead oh cool um and it's just and i know that was his process i don't know if if you know if you'd even thought about having a piece of music that goes with each of the images that you did but um it's a short dave Dave is also a musician he plays drums and stuff so he probably thinks about music a lot wow okay i tend to work and it makes me sound like a lunatic but i work in dead (laughs) silence most of the time all day long oh okay like, (laughs) like i don't I can't handle words when I'm working like music with lyrics, just mm. a part of my brain and I have a hard time with it. So no, I just sit here like a lunatic in a silent room. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's really strange. Uh, Joe Jusko is often posting uh, on his feed that he's what he's, he's got films on when he's in his studio, you know, it'll be like, oh. so depending on my phase, I'll do Star Trek reruns, but they're oh. reruns because I know the episodes and it's just noise. Right. And it helps like a next gen episode is like, 50 minutes long i make myself stand up when an episode ends i don't put autoplay on and i like do my stretches and then hit play <laughs> good and that's the only back thing to it. While I work. good good i was going to ask about that because i was slightly concerned on your behalf for your well-being when you were talking okay. about 17 hours at an ease i was like oh dear no, it's really like i'm i'm like dealing with rehabilitation now for it and i'm not joking about that, that oh my God. wow there's very few people have done this Simone is very fast. Dave mm. is very fast. He has a style mm. he can do quickly. Everybody else has done it in tandem. The Hildebrandt brothers, Boris and Julie, except Joe and myself. Mm. I'm going to pull us back to full screen. Just one sec. There we go. <laughs> and, uh, and so, no, it's, it, 
it was the most grueling thing I've ever done. And I've literally had to, like, I'm still working on it, trying to like undo the damage I did to my body from that. Oh, but I don't, recommend, I don't recommend it for anyone. Oh, mate. Uh, okay. All right. Dan, where can folks find you online? Where, where would they want to go? We'll put a link to your, your Patreon in the show notes, but where can folks Facebook, go? I hang out. I am pretty bad at social media. I try to be good about it. Facebook and Instagram are the big social media sites that I, I, I'm on. So on Facebook, just Google my name, but I think it's Dan Dos Santos underscore art for Instagram and maybe DS as in Dos Santos illustration for Facebook. My website is a great place where you can just Google my name, dandosantos.com and link to everything. Uh, my Patreon, which is Patreon slash Dan Dos Santos, is where I'm dumping all my Marvel stuff, behind the scenes stuff anyways. Muddy Colors is, is a place that I run and, and poke in on quite often. And then, you know, I'm always in, in the groups, like your group and stuff like that. I'm always trying to stay, stay connected with all of that, but usually I'm pretty available. Shouldn't be too hard to, to Google my name and figure it out, so good good well listen again awesome. thank you for making time for this um I, i'm gonna let you go because i'm sure you've probably got stuff to do and you, you probably shouldn't be sat down for longer than <laughs> the length of time we've been sat down <laughs> given that given that you're you've got stuff to go and do that sounds pretty frenetic um but um donny thank you again for sitting in uh, of course thanks and, thanks for having me and thank and, you to dan it's this has been been wonderful my pleasure i wish i had more time for you guys this is nice hey no this is great this is absolutely great um listen, i know you're going to do some uh you know some of the stuff you described like working through the pieces and all that sort of stuff in six to nine months time when the mm -hmm. dust has kind of settled come back again and we'll have a little post-match analysis that's great that sounds yeah? good maybe, maybe right. in a year or two i'll be giving you the like master question for the next masterpiece yeah, yeah i'm gonna count on that i'm gonna count on that <laughs> um and i'm sure listen if if um simone or, or joe i think is 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 put to the metal trying to get his last tarzan piece finished and i think simone's just off being a mad genius yeah. somewhere because talking about show off the perspective on that current like oh. piece joe is doing that that Conan piece is insane. I think it's the yeah. last one of his set. I think it is. I think it is. And he's been working on those for years now, and it's been a joy to watch. It really has. Um, but um, but yeah. So hopefully, um, where by the time you come back around, they'll they'll have, they'll have had a chance to fire over some questions. So we'll have some more questions for you from the from the other masters. Um, Dan, have a great rest of your day. Have a great rest of your weekend. Uh, what would you like to say to all of the wonderful, wonderful collectors and fans listening and watching? Oh, well, thank you for watching the Marvel Card Podcast. Marvel Card Collectors Podcast. Enjoy collecting, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Marvel Card Collectors Podcast. Tasting notes and visuals for each episode can be found on our Facebook page. We're on most social media at the MCC Pod, and you can also watch the video of each episode recording on our YouTube channel. Leave us a voicemail via our home on anchor.fm forward slash MCCP. We're also on iTunes, Spotify, and all major podcast platforms. Please take a second to subscribe, like, and review our show wherever you find us. Our Facebook community is at MCCW Marvel Car Collectors Worldwide and MMC Marvel Masterpieces Collectors. The great music we use on our audio version is called Rocket Power by Kevin McLeod. Thanks to the collectors, artists and creators who support the Marvel Cards Fan Collective. We'll see you next time and remember, it's a small hobby but a fun one. Make mine Marvel and enjoy collecting.